Welcome to Earth2.net, the show, episode 1142. I'm Michael Sims, and with me is Ian Wilson. How you doing, Ian? I'm good, thanks, Mike. So what are we here to do? Well, um, we're here to bump up Earth2.net output slightly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <this is laughs> I liked the begrudging. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, we're here to do what we always do, Pinky. Try to take <laughs> over the world yes. via AEW, uh, which is All Elite Wrestling. Yes. Because uh, last time we recorded on AEW, um, oh boy, do we pick our spots. It's uh, <laughs> when's a good time to record. Basically, everything tends to go wrong after we record things on AEW. It's it's, it's the cultaholic podcast curse. It, it really where, like, is. the second they hit stop on their recording, it's like, wait, who just got fired? What the fuck? <laughs> now we got to wait a week? In our case, we have wait a year, but we not to to use the phrase you use off the air. We got to keep our powder dry here. It was kind of worth waiting the year because yes. it's like, oh, oh, okay, it resolved. Oh no, it got worse. And then, <laughs> not the oh, company, it's resolved but behind again. the scenes stuff. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, sort of. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into what happened immediately after our last recording very shortly. Um, but the time before that, um, it was the case of oh. Uh, we're, we're, we're recording just before Cody's uh, match with Sammy in a ladder unification match for the TNT title. Oh, there goes Cody. <laughs> oh, Cody was still in the company last we recorded. Uh, the, the, the last but one. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no, our last one was just before All Out 2022. Right, okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah, suffice to say, um, a, a, a year or something is a long mm-hmm. time in wrestling. Yeah. Um, so we're here to go through it today. We're going to um, pick back up the stories to what happened uh, last time uh, we recorded with regards to AEW. We're going to talk about a chap, uh, a, a profile, if you will, of a man called Philip Brooks. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to give a personalised insight into uh, AEW's first show that's uh, not in North America. Mm-hmm. And it, if you don't count the Jericho Cruise being in the Bahamas. And uh, that was the uh, event All In at Wembley Stadium. And then we're going to finish off with uh, something that Mike and I like to do with regards to uh, IAW episodes. It's come up with uh, who is going to be the next person to take a championship off the current championship holder and um, who we'd like it to be if it's not who we think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is the programme. 
Um, any comments uh, from you, Mike, before we get underway? No, just that. I say no, and then I'm going to say just that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I will admit I don't watch all of... Oh, we also have to talk about there's a brand new TV show, too. There is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think will get uh, packaged into that talk about that guy named Phil. You know? <laughs> but, you know, I don't watch every minute of Dynamite. I barely watch Rampage, if ever. And I was watching Collision at the start, and now I just sort of watch the batches that I want to watch. So I don't know every storyline. I don't know where every wrestler is. I just don't have the energy for it. I have the want to have the energy to consume (laughs) all of AEW's weekly outputs and their pay-per-views, but I just don't have it. So if I seem... I don't want to say ignorant to what's going on with stuff. It's it's really just that I I can't follow it all the time, but I do my best to stay on top of it through through Twitter, through articles, through podcasts, and things like that. So, you know, just yeah, put all, that out there. All of a sudden, those YouTube uh, concrete content creators get a bit more respect <laughs> given uh, the amount they have to cover. Because bear mm-hmm. in mind, we're just covering. AEW, it's like yeah. if if we still wanted to cover WWE, then um, whew, uh, it would be hard to encapsulate. But yeah. um, I don't. I don't think Mike does either. No, I mean at this point, the only WWE thing I care about, honestly, is Gunther. <laughs> I mean, and Chad Gable. That series of matches yes. has been like yeah. Jesus, whoa, mm. like so good. I mean, we're talking like. What was it called? The SmackDown 7 or the SmackDown 6? Oh, from era. 20 years ago. Yeah. You yeah, know, that was SmackDown 6, yeah. Yeah, like we can't name everybody that was in that group because... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we, we can, but we, we should We can, but, you know, <laughs> he's in hell now. So... <laughs> <laughs> Hi from up here, Chris. Um, oh, Chris. Um, I which one did you think all, I meant? I, think, I thought you were going all Randy Orton. No, no, <laughs> he's he'll be in hell. But anyways, the point is, like that's when technical wrestling really gained a foothold in America, and it's good to see it coming back through Gunther's now what f- record-setting 460 yes. plus day. By the time this comes out, 470 or whatever it is, Day mm-hmm. Rain is IC champ. He's topped. He's toppled the fucking honky tonk man. So because I have a, such a, a love pure, for. The, I, nicer man you could not take the record from i know but because i have such a love for that belt you know i'm so happy to see it regain the prestige everybody says they want it to have when they get it and gunther's actually going out there and working and making it like in my brain like the top belt in the entire company so that's the only thing i really pay and some of the judgment day stuff because one rhea ripley two dominic is awesome and three the other two guys are kind of good too you know Mm. Yeah, sure. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, our story begins in uh, Sweet Home Chicago, for one of us. Um, and uh, the the evening of uh, sometime in September 2022 for the signature pay-per-view uh, All Out. Now, unfortunately, I remember next to nothing about the pay-per-view itself. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, Something happened. Now, that particular something was uh, the media scrum that happens uh, after each pay-per-view. Uh, certain wrestlers come to the back and join in 
with the press conference that is by and large hosted by Tony Khan, who is the owner, head of creative, and, you know, he is sort of a character, but not in a Vince McMahon way. Mm. He's very rarely on screen. Uh, It's just a case of he makes the matches in the background, and that's it. Now, um, well... (sighs) Yeah, so um, what happened was it was a case of CM Punk, uh, well, reclaiming the AEW World Championship, which he had lost uh, pretty much, um, well, (laughs) so yeah. We have we have to go back slightly, and this is kind <laughs> it's of a flashback covered, and a flashback. <laughs> this is kind of covered by our previous episode, uh. where naively we, I made the now <laughs> laughably innocuous comment: things have gotten a little bit feisty. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> by which I was referring to CM Punk giving a uh, at the time rather bizarre uh, verbal um, roasting to Hangman Page. Um, for reasons we were not very clear about whatsoever. And uh, there are other things such as um, supposed heat between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, and there'd been a legitimate physical altercation between Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. Oh, I and, forgot about that. Jeez. Well, wow, yes. yeah. as I say, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, so what happened was Punk had beaten Hangman Page for the belt at Double or Nothing, the pay-per-view in May last year. And like the dumbass that he is, uh, he jumped into the crowd to celebrate uh, the very next show, Um dynamite on the wednesday four days into his reign and proceeded to break his foot uh he was in a trios match with uh, ftr and uh noticeably struggled and whilst setting up the fact that who for the forbidden pay-per-view cm punk will fight tanahashi and what an interesting other world that would have been yeah. uh in, in reality it was found out he'd broken his foot and at the time uh, this is the era of interim championships. Um, and I say that for 2022 because basically the events of 2022 have, I reckon, put paid to the whole concept of interim championships uh, from here on out. And I'll explain my theory a bit later on. But um, yes, so Punk uh, had to recuperate his injury and in the interim. A mini-tournament was held, which was won at Forbidden Door by John Moxley, who had previously been champion during the pandemic era. And over the course of the summer, Punk came back, although not necessarily completely 100% healthy, and an angle was pitched to make Moxley the lineal champion to get rid of the interim champion stigma that you know doesn't perhaps match or recognize uh moxley's efforts as uh holding the belt during punk's injury and they came up with uh what is now referred to as the rocky three angle um i i say this is someone who's only watched the first rocky i'm as bad as cm punk <laughs> and um the idea was that moxley would absolutely flatten punk uh to fully win uh, the AEW Championship. Uh, this was a week or two before All Out. 
and then Punk would win it back, like persevering through his injuries uh, valiantly as it was being set in his hometown of Chicago at or out. And this duly came to pass. Uh, two problems. Uh, first of all, Punk re-injured himself in the process. And the other problem was the press conference after the uh, pay-per-view. Now, I had stayed up to watch it. Um, so it's like five in the morning, uh, my time, by the time the pay-per-view finished. I must have had the, the following day booked off work and... Basically, I didn't learn about this until hours later once I'd woken up. But um, it turns out that Punk went off on one. Uh, he started, he was in a very feisty mood and picked a fight with the journalists immediately because of perceived links with uh, Punk's former best friend, now um, very hated <laughs> former friend, Colt Cabana, who is also under AEW contract. And then he goes off on one about Colt Cabana. He then transitions into bad-mouthing Hangman Page, who is still one of AEW's top babyfaces for things that are completely to do with backstage. They've got nothing to do with either man's characters in the ring. Um, and then uh, makes some barbs as well about uh, how crap the elite are as EVPs. And they... <laughs> And just like said, they couldn't run a target. Um, and Tony Khan is sitting next to him the whole time, not knowing what to do and just sitting there wide eyed uh, and not feeling able to interject himself. Bearing in mind, he's only really been in the business for three years, three, four years at that point. And um, Punk's just there. Uh, famously, he is straight edge, therefore is not on pain medication or anything like that. Uh, so he's there shooting his mouth. He's got dried blood on him. He's eating muffins and drinking soda. Um, very memeable. And um, so this is all bad enough in and of itself. Um, and But then... <laughs> Uh, the thing that really uh, sees the situation break down is uh, Punk's in his uh, locker room backstage um, with his good buddy and former trainer Ace Steel and his dog and Ace Steel's wife. The EVP. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the setup to a very bizarre joke. Um, no, it's it's like in my brain. I'm like, is there a comma there or not? Oh, there's definitely commas. Okay. Yeah. Um, his, his, his dog, Ace Steel's wife. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> something, something, the deep south and the, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, but anyways, um, please continue. I'm sorry. So anyway, so um, the elites, the executive vice presidents, don't take kindly necessarily to this. So they decide that there's going to be some straight talking. And they bring with them the head of legal, who isn't a wrestler. And uh, from there on, the, the exact account of what happened will never be known specifically. Mm -hmm. um, in, in no small way, thanks to non-disclosure agreements that um, the people involved with the uh, altercation had. All we know is that a fight broke out rather than a heated discussion. Or, I mean, both could have happened, but it got physical. Um, 
a steel bit Kenny Omega. Um, CM Punk punched Matt Jackson. Someone threw a chair. Omega tried to basically get the dog out of the situation <laughs> to shield it from harm. And uh, ostensibly, this is all going on whilst the press conference is still going on. Yeah. Jericho has to walk in and just whisper into Khan's ear that this is going on. And um, yeah, so the whole thing gets broken up. But uh, ultimately, this has completely taken the shine off of whatever happened at the pay-per-view. And we'll... we'll We'll get into the fallout later, but just to take a pause, Mike, Mm -hmm. two questions. First of all, what do you remember about the pay-per-view all out 2022? (laughs) And secondly, what what do you recall when you heard the news about all of this going down? Okay, I got to bring up the card for all out 2022. And not just because... It got over. It got overshadowed by Brawl Out, right? <laughs> As it is now called, yes. Right, but it's been a month. It's been a year plus since that happened. Yes. What I will say in the moment, complete one hundred percent truth. I thought it was the bad decision to put the belt back on Punk. In that moment, yeah. I think I remember thinking Mox should have retained, not because I was anti-Punk then, not because I'm pro-Mox. I just for storyline purposes. I felt they could have had one more match, maybe in a cage or something. I, I don't know. I just felt like it was heading one more. They had one more round in them, so to speak. Um, looking at the card, I'm really... Is that the one where MJF came back as the devil? Yes. So I remember that, but I had to double check it. And that really might be all I remember about that. So... Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I, I, very quickly, just because I've, I've done a lot of talking. Um, in terms of what I can physically remember, that is all that I actually remember about mm-hmm. the pay-per-view. I've been going back through the oratory thread mm. um, as to what the comments were in real time, because I was responding in real time. And like a lot of the matches were, were pretty good. I mean, yeah. you, you're looking at the cards... Um, there was a match between Kingston and Ishii, which yeah. was very hard-hitting and good. Um, I know a lot of people have crept on the uh, casino ladder match on the basis that, in hindsight, uh, it didn't do very much for the participants other than what was ultimately MJF's uh, oh. to win. Um, and uh, it was the uh, crowning <laughs> which does play into the the brawl of uh, the trios champions. Um, oh, that was the that was their the crowning of that. That yeah. was the crowning between uh, the elite overcoming uh Silver and Reynolds of the Dark Order with uh, Hangman Page subbed in. Yes. And that ma- that match uh according to the the comments that I was reading was very well received. I remember nothing about it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um yeah, but uh, what, what about the, uh, the the brawl out situation? I honestly remembered believing the Buck side of the story over Punk side of the story. Strange. I'm not. I, I'm not saying 
the Bucks side of the story, and I'm not saying it's it's from their mouths. It's not. It's from their their people, their camp, their whatever, however you want to word it. Yeah, right? there's been a lot of briefings to yeah. people like Dave Meltzer and, and Vasilk. Yeah, because they're we've heard that there's potential lawsuits, there's NDAs, all these things. So as you said, we're never going to get the full... The only way we get the full story is if, like, 20 years down the line, someone decides to do a true, honest shoot. And, like, Kenny Omega, down the line, is like, yeah, I got Larry out of the room, and I came back in, and the room was on fire. You know what I mean? Like, Because <laughs> even though he's with the elite, like, you could see him kind of being neutral to the whole situation, because he saved the dog, for fuck's sake. Instead of biting yeah. people and throwing punches, he saved the dog. But, like, the elite side of the story just seemed a little more believable than Punk's side. But I do know there's a middle ground where they're both right and they're both wrong. Yeah. Um, and I've always held that um, stance. And the fact that what we're going to get into happened again. Yes. You know, I'm sort of like, yeah, that makes me a little more... That kind of solidifies my belief, you know. Um, but I will say I think Tony Khan absolutely did the right thing the what would have been the next dynamite like that like three days later yeah when he announced that the elite and punk and sorry if i'm stepping on your toes here were suspended you know and stripped um, of their title yes exactly no interim there right yeah stripped so i think that was the right call which then brings me back to i think it was the wrong call to take the belt off moxley <laughs> I mean, we can say that because in it diminished. No, but... I can't. But because, and right, we didn't know that that was going to happen. But it further kind of diminished the shine of that of that world title. Because I oh, felt absolutely. with the, the injury that happened. Now there's an interim, and interim championships can be great for drama in the real world, such as like UFC, yeah. and in the more fictional world of wrestling, they really can be good. But. In this case, the way it all played out, I think there's, I think they're actually still rebuilding the glory of that belt, you know. Yeah. So, but that's that's to the side, that's tangential to this whole thing. But I do think Tony Khan maybe isn't the best backstage manager in terms no, of how I... he does his employees, but I think he made the right decision that Wednesday. So yeah. that's that's me. What about you? I mean, he's he's learning on the job. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it takes years to get to, you know, Vince McMahon level control. Especially when he's probably younger than some of the guys. Well, certainly, yeah. like, he's younger than Jericho. He's younger than Christopher Daniels. Um, he's probably younger than Samoa Joe. He's, um, only, he's only a little older than you. He's 40. He's 40. In that case, he's younger than Punk. Yeah, um, Punk's like 43. Punk's just yeah. a touch younger than me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I look back on it and I think the problem with the interim championship things is that they failed to work on the basis that the people getting injured were two heat magnets in CM Punk and Thunderosa, which... Yeah. You know, that might be unfair to a certain extent because I don't know the whole story. Right. Um, I, I think particularly with Thunder Rosa, but it's it's just the case of some, all that really happened was that it caused friction and heat backstage. Yeah. So if it's a case of that is not worth it to, to keep a locker room together, then, you know, if 
they have to forsake that concept, then I'm I'm fine with that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll put a pin in Punk just for the moment. But uh, yes, yeah, so Moxley uh, regained the uh, World uh, Championship afterwards. Again, there was a mini tournament to get to that position, whilst uh, MJF, as we stated, um, had a, a title shot ready to go as as one, <laughs> quote unquote, um, at all out. Um, the trios championships were basically having been uh, held up and stripped off the elite were basically decided that very next night or that very next show uh, on uh, Dynamite and it saw Death Triangle overcome uh, the best friends and Orange Cassidy and um, basically it was a case of kind of picking up from there without four of your main stars mm. and I think it was, I, I think Moxley as much as let slip in a promo he was meant to be taking some time off after all yeah, yes, <laughs> and, yeah he flat uh, out said, I, like, I mean I'm paraphrasing but he's like I should be on motherfucking vacation with my yeah. wife and kid yeah, you know I don't think he's taken that vacation. <laughs> I think he got like a couple of weeks later on, but like not the seven or eight weeks that he was like legit yeah. shoot do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but ostensibly, Khan needed his top guys to, to help him out of the hole. And so uh, it wasn't just a case of Moxley going into the next pay per view as the champion, but you also got. Uh, Chris Jericho defeating uh, Claudio Castagnoli um, for the Ring of Honor uh, Championship. Oh, yeah. And then uh, had his run as the Ocho, the <laughs> eight-time world champion. And I actually did wonders for that belt. That was yeah. one of... Because um, Jericho's AEW tenure comes in uh, peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ocho run was very much a peak. Um, as backed with the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, behind him. But um, for the rest of the year, it was a case of MJF uh, defroned uh, Moxley at full gear with the help of uh, Moxley's uh, manager, William Regal. Um, And uh, Regal was written off because he asked for his release to go back to WWE. Yeah. Uh, on the basis that, uh, in the background to all of this, Vince McMahon had retired, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and therefore, with uh, seemingly Triple H at the helm and Regal being very close to Triple H, um, because when he was fired, Triple H was recovering from uh, a heart issue. It's probably a heart attack, but no one's actually gone on record of saying it. They just said a cardiac event because WWE. Um, and so Regal asked if he could leave, and apparently the situation was quite amicable, uh, but it did mean writing Regal out. So in storyline, Regal was kind of seeking to atone for uh, denying MJF a spot in NXT in real life. Um, And MJF's gratitude was to nail uh, Regal with the brass knucks uh, because it's stated that Regal's retirement has come off the back of uh, neck and concussion issues and therefore it wrote him off and hospitalised him and he's not been... I say he's not been seen on AEW TV since there was a kind of 
fun uh, promo <laughs> that he left to the the BCC. So if you if you lots of are watching this, sunshines, then um, something bad's happened to me. But it was always a lesson. Uh, not to trust people. Uh, right, cheerio, love you all. Um, and, um, and what it led to, because for all of the setbacks, there's always a chance of some genius booking to come out of it. It gave us MJF versus Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match at the uh, Revolution pay-per-view in February, which is largely looked at as one of the best Iron Man matches ever. Mm. And I'm inclined to agree. I've not mm. seen all of them, but of the ones I've seen, that, that one was um, immense. It was yeah. just fantastic. And it's led to... <laughs> it's kind of been argued that everyone that MJF has beaten as champion has gone on to turn heel. <laughs> so Moxley huh. and Danielson have uh, gone on to make the Blackpool Combat Club a vicious stable of killers um, and has led to a very prolonged half-year feud with the Elite, um, which really just stemmed out of a feud between Moxley and Hangman, where uh, Hangman was shoot knocked out by a, a Moxley clothesline. Yeah. And um, this led to some on-screen bad blood, I, th- I think. I think it was by and large just uh, seen as a, an accident. But it led to, on the same pay-per-view a texas death match which hangman hung moxley with some barbed wire <laughs> to win the match and he had a special entrance to uh, cowboys in this uh, ghost riders in the sky and um yeah so the company has gone on um with mjf still as champion uh, he had a four pillars match at uh, Double or Nothing against uh, the three other people that he'd named as pillars, which did a lot for their profiles, but did kind of suggest that some of them were lacking in certain areas, uh, which saw the end of Jungle Boy and the emergence of Jack Perry. Uh, this becomes relevant later. And then um, uh, he then had a... a <laughs> after his... Um, I mean, arguably his last feud as a heel proper uh, against New Japan um, for the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which is a a joint pay-per-view with New Japan. He took on uh, Tanahashi, uh, the guy who kind of really spearheaded the fortunes of uh, New Japan into making it the power that it was and uh, beat him because Tanahashi's on the downward trajectory of his career. And uh, MJF is on the upwards, and uh, even one uh, wore an elbow pad which stated, New Japan is an indie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, he has been knocking it out the, p- the park with an angle, started as a feud, but has become an angle with Adam Cole, yeah. where it looked like Adam Cole was going to be the next guy for uh, MJF to verbally chew, chew out and somehow overcome in as cheap a way as possible but and this is the great thing about mjf is he subverts so many expected storyline tropes in wrestling Mm -hmm. but it turns out that because adam cole is a more natural heel they have a lot more in common than they do Mm -hmm. (laughs) than, than you would think and they actually become friends 
and um, to, to the detriment of Adam Cole's other storyline friends in Roderick Strong, which is playing out as we speak, uh, hilariously, I should add. And uh, not only did they main event all in in a face versus face way, uh, they're also the current Ring of Honor tag champions as well, mm-hmm. which in no way is what you would have expected when that angle began. And it is still playing out now because it is one of the hottest things AEW have. And right now they need some hot things. Um, so that's kind of been the direction. Um, Punk did eventually come back in June uh, to spearhead a new two-hour show on AEW programming called Collision. Uh, the problem is it's on a Saturday night, and as Rampage uh, found on Friday night, Rampage, another program spearheaded early on by CM Punk, uh, in that he redebuted on its second-ever episode. Um, Fridays and Saturdays are bad nights for TV viewership, um, especially if you like sports. So... Um, it's been up and down, but Collision has been good insofar it's two extra hours of weekly programming and it's treated as an A-show, equiv- certainly equivalent to Dynamite when it was seen as kind of Punk's show, uh, very much geared to keeping him away from the Elite. Um, the Elite had returned at um, full gear because the suspension aspect Uh, had been settled and none of the three of them had been injured unlike punk um so they'd come back and got back into the trios division and then had uh, as i said the the feud with the blackpool combat club um and over the summer it was a case of the elite being on dynamite punk being on collision um up until certain things came to the fore uh over the course of the all-in all-out seven-day uh, period and that has kind of been an overview of the general direction of AEW. A lot of things have happened in that period but we want to talk about other things so if I hand the floor over to Mike um, I will just ask Mike um, what in that kind of year period shall we say between All Out and All In do you think is worth bringing up that I haven't touched on already as to what's been going on that's specifically kind of been, if not game-changing, then notable in the kind of overall history of AEW? Wow. Um, I would say, and this is my personal take, you may disagree, listeners may disagree, is the downfall of the women's division um, I do not yeah. I feel the women's division has taken a much bigger back seat mm. and that is both you know the TNT the, the women's world title scene as well as the TBS scene right and I don't mean this as disrespect to any of the workers in that you know in, in those in those that that division there. But yeah, to me, it's like I feel like there's like barely any attention. There's stuff going on. There's fun stuff going on with Tony Storm, Chris Statlander, dethroned Jade. You know, there's there's amazing stuff going on. But 
for me, I think a big talking point that's getting overlooked because of all the bullshit with punk, all the fun with the uh, the brochachos or whatever they're being called, <laughs> which yeah. is such a Jericho name. Can we just <laughs> like if if somehow they had done the story with Jericho and MJF, they would have been called the brochachos. I mean, and you know that would story between Jericho no, no, no. and MJF. But I mean, but I mean this exact storyline, this exact one. Like, th- that would be the name of them instead of whatever's going on with Cole and him. That's I, all I'm saying. I, I wonder if that might have been how they uh, labeled the uh, Dinner Debonair segment. But um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because MJF, again, not to get away from the, the women aspect that you bring up, um, MJF in college was um, in a barbershop quartet. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, I'm going to look it up, but there was some kind of... Uh, name, but I think it was like the Acapel Bros or something like uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the Acapellas or something like uh, that. But uh-huh. um, yeah, but with regards to the women's division, can you um, do, do you have a rough pinpoint as to when that was? If not for the division, then for each kind of championship? Because we're going to mention both championships later on in the episode. But is there a, yeah. a kind of turning point? Do you? specifically no not specifically and you know with with the tbs thing it's i'm I'm more i'm more concerning of falling under the entire women's umbrella right Right. okay because when jade had it and i love jade don't get me wrong i felt like the end of her tenure was getting a little repetitive you know Mm. so when statlander came and took that off of her i was like oh yeah this is something fresh for this belt right and then i felt like Statlander's out there having some really good matches, but they're not getting the attention they deserve, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and that's just by the nature of the booking. When you only have one female match per show tops, yes. that's a problem. Yeah, that's yeah. a big problem. So, you know, but when it comes to the women's world title, I just, maybe it's maybe it's just me. I feel kind of lost and detached from the whole outsiders thing, mm. now with the destruction, or maybe not the destruction, but the unrest amongst them. I'm into what Tony Storm is doing because it's crazy <laughs> and awesome, and wrestling should be stupid. And it's, you know, because you, uh, you, know? you can see why she's married to Juice Robinson. Now, you know what? Once I realized that the other day on Twitter, right? You saw that. Yeah, I did. You so. know, I was like, now this makes sense. <laughs> this makes what she's doing 100% makes sense because they both have the same cocaine dealer in in storylines in storylines i'm not saying anything shoot here i should probably even say for legal reasons in storyline they don't do cocaine i don't know (laughs) it's wrestling and there's something going on it's not being mentioned no i know i'm just having fun but yeah i just i just feel completely detached from whatever's going on with the women's division i can't make sense of it um it feels unfocused I get why they put the title on Soraya. I think that was a bad mistake, but maybe that's going to lead somewhere. And that's yeah. not even getting into politics and all the yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, with with her. You know, it's so just, definitely over the course of the summer in particular. Yeah, it it just feels the characters are doing good work. The character, the, the work of the wrestlers are doing really good work. I just don't feel any cohesion with the division. And like mm. I said, I just completely think it's getting overshadowed. That that aspect of it, when everything that's gone on behind the scenes and continues to go on there, and 
you know, that even includes what kind of went on in the real world with FTR, which we didn't bring up. Um, and the, like I said, the bro Chacha. So it's just, I, 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 my, my whole thing is I need this women's division. Someone needs to come in and I don't necessarily mean a wrestler, but someone needs to come in and refocus this thing and kind of do to it what Orange Cassidy did for the uh, international title, or yeah. we brought it up um, earlier. What Gunther is doing, or is he Walter? No, he's is he Gunther or Walter? He's Gunther now. He's Gunther now. Good, yeah. What he's done for the IC title, we really need someone to come in and just like reshape that division in their image and get it going again. And then also have two matches at least on the show. You have two fucking hours <laughs> on Wednesdays, two on Saturdays, one on Fridays. Come on, Tony. So yeah, so I'll put that soapbox away. What about you? Um, I'll get to my thoughts on the women's division um, when we come to the titles. Um, I think the women's world title has been a bit unfortunate because of injury, because yeah, yeah. Jamie Hayter was a very popular champion, oh, yeah. uh, but she's been injured since before Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. and therefore they clearly had to change plans first of all to take the title off her to, as i say getting rid of the interim um idea uh and because she's not still cleared to compete or wasn't in the run-up to all in which would have been the perfect time for her to re-debut yeah. um then clearly again they're, they're working through plan b and therefore plan b has not been uh clearly strong enough for them to want to try and remodel things and uh, again I think it comes down to who's currently champion Uh, but we'll get into that Um, otherwise um, I think Collision has been a a big game changer because it's given more time for certain acts to flourish Um, I'm particularly thinking of Bullet Club Gold (laughs) because (laughs) at the start and by extension I'll say Ricky Starks as well because at the start it was a case of Ricky Starks having beaten Jericho at Revolution it was a case of what's going to be his next kind of trajectory so there's the newly signed Juice Robinson attacking him and then a few weeks later Jay White and White and Robinson establish themselves and say we're going to bring Bullet Club to AEW and that's fine if you like Bullet Club and are you know interested in it, but on before Collision came about, it was just a case of uh, White and Robinson repeatedly targeting Starks, mm-hmm. and since they kind of got to be more kind of established Collision exclusive acts, then I don't think exclusivity is going to be much of a thing going forwards from time of recording, but. Not only has it given Starks uh, some exposure, jo- joining forces with FTR and Punk to kind of take on uh, Bullet Club, but it's given uh, Bullet Club the chance to swell swell their ranks with our beloved ass boys, Mike, mm. Austin and Colton Gunn. Mm-hmm. And um, not you, you couldn't imagine a more perfect fit, really. Um, the Bullet Club gold are hands down one of the best things <laughs> on AEW television at the moment. And they've been rewarded for it. You, you, you forgot the fifth man. Well, okay. The fifth <laughs> the fifth man 
a cardboard cutout of Jay White. Oh no, I meant Juice Robinson's Coke dealer. Here's <laughs> me thinking you meant card blade. No, I did. I did mean yeah. card blade. Fucking uh, card blade. <laughs> and also, the, the guns kind of got themselves uh, a kind of proper entrance this year. Yeah. And it's been kind. Of, it's been kind of hijacked by the rest of Bullet Club, but it still works really well. Um, of just like the camera circling round as Austin and Colson are kind of doing water spits Triple H style, whilst yeah. like doing finger guns, and it work. It works so much better with Austin and Colson being back to back. Juice Robinson in <laughs> at the rear, just like. <laughs> Showing off his cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) And like White being uh, at the front. um, And, you know, it's it's just coalesced really well. And as I say, they've been rewarded by having uh, a very recent uh, victory at All Out over the combination of FTR and the Young Bucks. And it was a victory that they won because as of... Uh, a quartet they're a really cohesive unit yeah not because as some might have expected ftr and young bucks to completely guess up each other's noses no. uh, again going back to juice robinson um, <laughs> like, so, Wait, um, sorry let me let, let me yeah, jump in here like having just rewatched that match there's a lot of cohesion between the bucks and ftr yeah they're absolutely. they're doing they're doing double team moves across teams yeah you know, it's like these guys have worked each other so many times in the the world of wrestling or watched each other's tapes. They actively know how to do each other's moves together. Yeah. That was really cool. But it, yeah, when it comes to Bullet Club, they are just like, they're, they're a, they, they are a unit that are meant to be together, you know, as opposed to the other ones. But I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, by working so well together, it both subverts the expectation of how the match is going to play out, mm-hmm. but it also calls back really well to their match at all in, where yeah. they were just doing each other's moves, but yeah. on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think for all of the kind of chaos that has been AEW the past month, um, All Out has been really well received. Mm-hmm. Um, by what it was able to create out of the chaos. And again, we're recording this after there only being one week's programming um, coming out of it. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You can tell it's been a busy month. But yeah, yeah, I I think, uh, as I say, Bullet Club Gold, um, Ricky Stark, uh, people like uh, kind of your House of Lost Toys of Andrade and Miro um, have had programs. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs has gotten a bit more time as well, and uh, it's also been the the home of the Owen Cup, uh, Owen Hart uh, Cup tournament. So we've seen, um, and again for the, the very valid criticisms of the women's division. Uh, Willow Nightingale's emerged as a real star, um, having had the sole women's match on Forbidden Door, and then also probably subverting expectations by beating uh, Ruby Soho in the final. Yeah, yeah. And that adds to Ruby's uh, kind of uh, long, long-standing story of never quite winning the big one. Mm-hmm. So, which I, I kind of appreciate as time has gone forward. 
Um, we've also had, um, I mean, the, the trios championships have really grown in stature. Um, the House of Black have had a particularly good reign as a trio. Uh, I think it's only because of the popularity of the acclaim that they've kind of had to call time on that. Well, I kind of felt that was time for mm. me because the Bucks win them. I say the Bucks, the Elite win them, right? Yeah. Immediately, within 24 hours, they're stripped, <laughs> right? Yeah. They then put them on. I'm sorry, you said it earlier. Who was it they put it on? It wasn't. Uh, Death Triangle. Death Triangle. Then the Bucks come back from suspension, and they had that best of seven series. Well, that's which... a bit, it started off just being a match at full gear, and you right. think, all right, the, the Death Triangle are just going to hand it back to the Elite because right. they were the anointed ones to first hold it, and, and then Death Triangle won. So it then became a best of seven series, and then they're like, oh, now the Elite will definitely win. And indeed well, they did. But. Right, and it, it, that was needed because they, they, they really put these belts on a literal and figurative pedestal, right? Yes. But because they were instantly thrown in the mud <laughs> by everything that happened at Brawl Out, yeah. they, they, they put them on the best team that they could have put them on to, like, you know, clean them up, clean that image up. Yeah. And then the Bucks come back and they create this awesome seven match series yeah. to say, look, we, that was the Bucks apologizing. Let's be frank. They really fucked up. They really screwed up those belts from the jump, right? No matter where you put all the blame, some of the blame or whatnot with the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, the the Bucks got to take some responsibility for that, or the elite does. I mean, if there's no confrontation, there's no brawl. Right, yes. So they they really worked to get those belts back to the stature that they wanted them to be at. And then they, you know, they wind up on um, the House of Black, right? And I don't know how long they have had them. I don't have the uh, title belt history in front of me. I can find it. Yeah, I can click it right here. They had them for 175 days. They're the longest reigning champions. Yeah, yeah. The Bucks had them. The Elite had them for three days. Death Triangle 126. The Elite won them back for 53. But if you count single reigns, the House of Black had them for 175 not quite half a year but getting there right yeah, yeah and i do kind of feel it was time but i agree with you they put them on the acclaimed because it's sort of like when the acclaimed won the tag titles yes right it was like they probably should have pulled the trigger in the middle of that match and called an audible when the when the the the, the acclaimed uh, were fighting swerve and keithley initially right yeah, yeah but they didn't they they put them on there but i i think they're like yeah like we could sell more merch with these guys yes. <laughs> the champions let's do that and you know what the, the the house of black will get those belts back i say within a year 18 months tops and we'll have more fun with them just beating the shit out of schlubs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh otherwise um i've made reference to the fact that um you had some really spellbinding matches at Revolution. Um, you've uh, you, you touched upon it earlier. Uh, Orange Cassidy has just come off an amazing reign as international champion, um, which used to be uh, the All Atlantic title uh, when Pac had it, but it got renamed relatively early into Orange Cassidy's uh, stint as holding the belt because everyone agreed All-Atlantic was actually, in hindsight, a rubbish name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's been... I think Orange Cassidy has really grown as a character over the course of the year on the back of holding the championship. Um, and it's been epitomised with the last two pay-per-views by how aggressive he's been whilst broken down 
uh, in the Stadium Stampede match, which he ultimately won for his team. Um, and then uh, defending it in a losing effort against Moxley at all out. In the main event, no less. Yeah, yeah. Which you could argue is deflating, but at the same time, really just underlines what a great champion he's been and you know how much effort he's put in and how far he has come i think someone said if you were going to do a uh trilogy of like matches to show the progression of orange cassidy you start with him against pack at revolution 2020 yes you do <laughs> <laughs> you sure do uh... God, what a great match that was. Uh, um, you finish with the match with uh, Moxley at All Out this past Sunday. And then uh, the one in the middle that has been suggested is at the first Forbidden Door. Because do you remember who he faced at Forbidden Door? I can't say I do, no. Will Ospreay. Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that because I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch quite a lot, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. But um, in the, I've already watched a fair chunk this last month. Um, I'm not going to do it anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this podcast be damned. Preparation. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, but uh, just... so you said you said you said the women's division. I, I didn't quite give you leave for, for anything else. Was, was there any other kind of moments or people that have had a very important twelve months to you? Well, I want to continue what we were just talking about there with okay, Orange yeah. Cassidy. Like, I understand why when people... Like, let's say you've been following wrestling for a while. Even just by a while, let's say a couple of years, yeah. right? So you have a general basic understanding of what wrestling is and quote-unquote should be, right? I can understand looking at Orange Cassidy and going, what's that? And going, that disrespects the business, that makes it... That, that reveals that it's quote-unquote fake. I hate that word, but in this case, I got to use it that way. Like, I could see looking at Orange Cassidy and going, no. But if you, <laughs> but if you right, but if you actually look at what the man behind Orange Cassidy is doing, the the slacker character being the fucking workhorse champion, yeah, that's crazy. And when he came out on Dynamite this past week and was like, "Look, I was told to stay home, but no, I'm not going to do that." And he then walks off stage. So he opens the show, he cuts that promo, walks off stage, and sort of figuratively passes the torch to Moxley, who comes out next, and then to, um, what's his name, A.R. Fox slash Darby, right? He was handing over his opening slot on Dynamite that he's had on so many weeks, right, to to the new champion. He has to do that. But to get him there, the story that got him there where he's just becoming the workhorse and he's busting his ass and he's getting broken down time in and time out just again and again. That is an amazing story. And for it to end with the double birds in the air as he's just pissing blood, not Eddie Guerrero pissing blood, but pissing (laughs) blood, was such a match. And, like, there's a part of me that goes, wait a minute, shouldn't John Moxley have been just as broken down having just done the um the stadium well, that um, that's I want to say anarchy in the stadium but uh, no <laughs> stadium Sta- right yeah sorry I really legit wasn't trying to be funny I was confusing them too like like and Mox is constantly doing those kinds of matches where he's just beating the shit out of himself essentially and but it's like blood. It, right yeah but it shows like 
those two guys are completely different men. Mox is built for that kind of match, that kind of brutal Moxley-style brawl, right? Yeah. And Cassidy isn't quite built for that, but he's leveled up to that, to be able to go one-on-one with a, form, what, three-time now? Former AEW world champion? Three times, yes. Yeah. yeah and, and, yeah, he got his ass kicked, but he really could have won that one. He By the skin of his teeth, he could have. But So whatever they're doing with Orange Cassidy, whatever's next for him... They got to pull that trigger quick because he is hot right now. He is world title contender ready. I'm not saying put the belt on him just yet, but he's ready for some world title main event programs. It's a little iffy if they could do that because what's MJF's alignment right now? Is he a face? Is he a heel pretending to be a face? You know, we can touch on that later. But yeah, I I really think Orange Cassidy has been just like the, the breakout star of the last year. You know, and it's all, you know, he and he built up that belt with this silly name. He yeah. really made it mean something. And now a former, a three-time former world champion. And just this company alone, never mind the belts he held around the world in WWE, now has that belt. That tells you how important he made that belt. Yeah. He made it so that a world champion could hold it and make it feel like the one and one A to the world title. Very you know, so. so all credit to Orange Cassidy for everything he's done. And anybody who doesn't like his... Uh, contributions to AEW at this point I just gotta go I, I don't know what to tell you then man because you haven't been watching the program sorry you know who'd have thought Jimmy Jim w- Cornette had not been watching the program let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not dwell um, anything else um no no righty ho no. in that case well Ooh. Do you want to say anything about the JAS? Uh, no. Okay, then let's move on. Okay. Not really. Okay. Well, it's just been a big thing that then's been... You know what I mean? I didn't know, so... Okay. I think it's... Here's the thing. You know how everyone is the main protagonist in their own story? Yeah. When you're a wrestler, that becomes very messy. And we're about to talk about CM Punk. <laughs> For Jericho. As I said, he had a great run as the Ocho. Mm-hmm. And I liked what he was doing with... I mean, I liked what he was doing with Starks. But moreover, he put over a guy called Action Andretti. Oh, God, that was this year. Yeah, it was. Now, yeah. think about that. There is a wrestler right. called Action Andretti. <laughs> and Chris Jericho volunteered to lose to the guy mm-hmm. like so it was a clean shock loss you know mm-hmm. like one two three kid razor remain that yeah. kind of thing and you know that got a guy admittedly a lower card guy um a, a contract and mm-hmm. you need people like action andretti and fuego del sol who's now no longer with aw mm-hmm. um you know in to give people more credible um wins and uh, so kudos for Jericho for that. His feud with Adam Cole was bullshit. <laughs> oh, yes. There, were, there was one good thing about the Jericho-Cole feud. I mean, there were two notable. One was the whole chaining Cole up and beating Britt Baker, although there are several reasons why that was also a bad thing, mm-hmm. um, considering Baker was... Uh, 
nearly year-long unbeaten women's champion. Um, the other thing, although in fairness, she was outnumbered. Um, the other thing was the um, no-holds-barred arena match with Roddy Strong uh, between Jericho and Strong. Which were, I mean, the conceit of which is like Cole couldn't be in the arena, so Strong got the fight outside of the arena, <laughs> so <laughs> Cole could beat him up and uh, Strong could win. That's it. It's like, uh, so th- it's fair to say that when Cole began his program with MJF, he couldn't have really been any colder. Yes. A- apart from in the eyes of um, Tony Khan, but uh, but sometimes. Um, people who can't are high on that people are initially kind of reluctant to um, it can work out all for the best and this would bring me to perhaps the one thing I'd like to say about this year before we move on um, beforehand because um, I'm thinking about the fairly lukewarm reception even though he proved his worth in spades shortly after he debuted of uh, Christian Cage Oh my god, yes. Now, Christian Cage had already turned heel on Jungle Boy by the time of our previous recording. Okay, Ian, Ian. Yeah. We've both been wrestling fans our entire lives. Yes. We both love ENC. We love Team Wreck. Yeah. Team Wreck? Yeah, yeah. And all that. Christian's never been a face. Even when (laughs) Edge and Christian are faces. Christian's a... That's what's great about Christian, is he's like he's like such a dickbag. Christian <laughs> was the face challenger in the main event of AEW's greatest pay-per-view. What are you talking about, Mike? <laughs> but he is so much better as a heel. Oh my god, Christian is the best. Now it started it started with the feud with Jungle Boy, which had to be prolonged because unfortunately um uh Christian ended up breaking his arm. Uh, I believe, actually, at All Out um, uh, 2022, or oh. there So it was like a five-minute match in which, like, Luchasaurus had turned. And then the idea was, ah, had it just all been a bait and switch? No, Luchasaurus has turned heel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, it was a case of Perry taking on Luchasaurus in a cage match at uh, Full Gear, which was great. Um, and then finally getting his vengeance on Christian at uh, Revolution in a Down Goes the Coffin match. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, a, a fully healed up Christian with Luchasaurus as his right hand of destruction has been amazing because mm-hmm. they finally ended the never-ending cycle of Wardlow as TNT champion mm-hmm. or rebound champion even if he loses the title and after Christian was defeated by Wardlow at uh, Double or Nothing Luchasaurus won the title with Christian's assistance and as far as I can tell, like you, I've not been watching every single minute of AEW programming just so far as I've I've kind of given giving Rampage a miss because it's just at this point um, overspill for Dynamite mm-hmm. Um, as far as I can tell, Luchasaurus hasn't touched the TNT title once since he won it. Yeah. It's been Christian's uh, <laughs> uh, possession throughout. He's wearing it over his shoulder or around his waist. He's calling himself 
the TNT champion. And when he catches himself, he says, we are the TNT champion. Mm. And the skits of... He's carried over the fact of uh, Jack Perry's dad being dead versus <laughs> Sideshow Luke Perry. Um <laughs> To everyone else he's come into contact with, Wardlow, and um, now he's been in a very uh, elongated feud with Darby Allen, and uh, uh, Darby's kind of new protege, uh, Nick Wayne. And uh, just so happens, Nick Wayne's dad passed away <laughs> within the last few years, and Christian has just been on a tear, and it's been fucking hilarious. <laughs> Uh, my highlight is... Uh... Wait, 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 hang on. I've already fantasy booked a match between Christian and Negative One in about six years. <laughs> and the heat that oh, he God, will receive yeah. for disparaging Mr. Brody Lee. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> well, Christian just announced he's, he's re-signed a con- on contracts recently. It's because he wants to work Negative One in six yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Negative One has a guaranteed feud with Christian and Preston Vance. Um, once he once he yeah. does a Nick Wayne and turns eighteen. My favourite highlight. I, I know I haven't asked you this one, and you possibly might struggle to top this. But the best segment involving Christian as TNT title holder has been mm. with Christian's own daughter who must be oh, about yeah. eight or something like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying, can I hold the belt? And he was going, no, did you earn it? <laughs> <laughs> go back to, go back to your mother. And then calling for security to remove <laughs> her from the building because she doesn't have credentials. Yes. And then Nigel McGuinness keeps referring to him as father of the year. I know. I know. Yeah, and what was great is... So that was, was that Rampage or Collision where he threw his daughter out? Collision. Collision. And so earlier that week on Dynamite, Jack yes. Perry took, jumped into the crowd. Yes. I forget who he was running from. Uh, and put Perry, a little girl, Perry. Perry, yeah. yeah. Put put a little girl. No, yeah. Oh, so sorry, Perry sorry, was running. Perry. Um, uh, I think it was the Hook and RVD segment. Yeah. Okay. He puts a little girl on his lap to use her as a human shield. And then we find out, wait, that's Christian's kid. <laughs> yeah. So not only was that funny, it ties Jungle Jack Perry back into the world of Christian. Yes. If they want to do that. There's no way he didn't know that was, like, in a, in the shoot world, you know? Yeah. Like, or in the shoot, in the she world. Mu- she must have met him before. There's no way he doesn't know that's his former mentor's kid. Yeah. And, like... So there's like that just made it even funnier yeah. to me. But just the way he looks at her, and as you said, he's like, "Did you earn this? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> to his own child." And just the way he's like, "She has no credentials. Get out of here, security." <laughs> he's the best. He gets wrestling. He really does. Before we look at um, AW going forward, we should just address. Um, what we've been alluding to up to this point is that CM Punk um, is quote unquote no longer an issue. Uh, he got fired in between All In in Wembley and All Out in his hometown of Chicago. Um, a brave thing for Tony Khan to do mm. because CM Punk very much makes his uh, identity being. I am Chicago's favorite son, 
which is untrue, as we all know. Isn't that right, Mike? Yes, that's true. It's Michael <laughs> Jordan. Um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, as I say, All Out was very much kind of uh, rescued um, and uh, it just hasn't been made mention of ever since. Now, mm-hmm. what's happened, we've mentioned that he came back uh, to help Spearhead uh, Collision, and uh, he was kind of the creative driving force behind, but he was also working with the aforementioned Ace Steel and um, the less controversial Brian Danielson, uh, who himself has not had uh, a huge active role over the summer on account of uh, Okada breaking his arm in the main event of Forbidden Door. Mm. And Danielson still managed to win because he's that damn good. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, oh, I'm missing a limb. I have three more. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, what happened was in the run-up to All In, lots of reports emerged that... Not everyone is welcome on Collision. From people who don't really matter, like Ryan Nemeth, uh, to people who are, I don't know, the head of talent of AEW and wrestling legend Christopher Daniels. Uh Because, wouldn't you know, CM Punk's managed to fall out with Christopher Daniels um, for being too much in with uh, the Young Bucks, which, in fairness, Daniels absolutely is... Um, there, because he's obviously based in LA, as is uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's very much seen as being as integral to the Young Bucks as Brandon Cutler. So unfortunate, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the one time you'll ever hear Brandon Cutler and Christopher Daniels compared to one another, <laughs> yeah. um, apart from perhaps follically. But with regards to um, these reports, it was showing there was a kind of us versus them mindset, which is never that healthy. Just ask Paul Heyman, uh, although Paul Heyman will defend it, uh, both in ECW and when he was running SmackDown with aforementioned six. And um, what kind of became very relevant up to All In was the fact that when uh, Jack Perry, uh, the former Jungle Boy, was uh, looking to shoot some uh, promos as part of his feud for the FTW title with Hook, um, there was a disagreement between Perry and Punk as to using fake or real glass for a spot. Perry said he had clearance to use real glass, Punk said that's a stupid idea, use fake glass, and there were issues uh, accordingly, although nothing that was um, physical or anything like that. Now, uh, come to All In, uh, the last match of the buy-in prelim show was the FTW title match between Perry and Hook, um, which you might recall, Mike, uh, revolves around the Street Fighter 2 level where you beat up a car. <laughs> Heck yeah! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Perry at one stage uh, looks into the camera and says, Real Glass, Crimea River. 
<laughs> I wonder who that was against. Well, uh -huh. CM Punk didn't. And um, <laughs> CM Punk, who would be in the opening match of All In uh, against Samoa Joe, um, confronted uh, Perry. Now, Punk wasn't having a good day because uh, apparently he was expecting to be met from the airport and driven to Wembley. Now, whilst... At the outset, it was like, yes, why wouldn't he be? It then emerged that absolutely no one was met at the airport and mm. all were um, meant to make their way there. But uh, Punk was using that to fuel his band mood. Uh, he'd apparently been threatening to quit earlier that day anyway. And then there was the Perry uh, <laughs> uh, scene. So after Perry has had his match and, you know, he's come off worse for wear he's lost the match um but you you wouldn't think there was any problem if like me you were in the stadium itself mm. now um as as the show is going on i'm ch checking twitter it must have been between matches uh to see sean ross sap saying there's been an incident backstage between punk and perry like Oh gosh, not this again! <laughs> and uh, now, mind you, this is literally one year and a week since Brawl Out happened. Yes, All In is one year and a week or thereabouts since the last yeah. time this guy decided to be an asshole. Yeah. Well, I mean, if yeah. you look at the Nemeth thing, um, mm -hmm. that was getting in his face, but it wasn't a physical altercation. Right. Yeah. This was a physical altercation. Mm -hmm. um, in that uh, Punk confronted Perry about the comment. Perry said he was trying to get heel heat. Um, Punk said, do we have a problem? Gets in his face and uh, reports vary. There's someone took a swing at someone. There was Punk getting Perry in the front face lock and it had to be broken up, ostensibly by Samoa Joe who was uh, Punk's opponent in the match. And uh, a lot of backstage unhappiness all around, but um, ultimately Joe and Punk had their match at the beginning of the show because it was looking like maybe the card needed to be switched round um, to accommodate for potentially Punk not doing his match. Uh, it did happen. Again, if, if you're out there, you, you couldn't tell that there was anything wrong. Um, and you had a very good match which ended with Punk retaining the quote-unquote real-world champion because he was trying to make something out of the brawl-out situation without being able to name anyone um, <laughs> what with the non-disclosure agreements mm -hmm. uh, Punk won with a Pepsi plunge and the match was jolly good fun um, yeah, it's a good match it was it was a very good match Um and Punk walked to the back. He like posed with someone uh, with a, a trans rights placard to show he's not all evil. Um, <laughs> and then uh, heads to the back, raises a finger, not the middle finger, raises a finger in the air with uh, his X spray painted championship over his shoulder. And that was the last we see of CM Punk in AEW. Um, definitely this year, and by all likelihood forever even though Meltzer said I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to AEW um, but Meltzer does have as a caveat but uh, it would be heavily resisted <laughs> so, um, and 
ostensibly both Perry and Punk were suspended for a, a further investigation to happen. It then later emerged that there was a separate incident with Punk getting in Tony Khan's face uh, that left him shaking. Apparently monitors were pushed over. They might have hit Khan. Um, so Dynamite, uh, after all in, doesn't mention it, uh, although it does note the that CM Punk was in a match and then at the top of the hour well on Saturday the day of collision the day before all out the announcement came that uh, CM Punk had been fired with cause or released from his contract with cause and Tony Khan made a pre-recorded statement for uh, the people watching collision he also very gamely um, went out and addressed the crowd before the camera started rolling, uh, to which he got a lot of boos, um, despite the fact that Khan himself is from Chicago. And um, Wait, really? He grew up in Chicago. Oh, I don't think I knew that. He okay. said that for like the first 28 years of his life, he hadn't been outside of Chicago for more than two weeks or something like oh, that. Wow, okay. Something like There's a transcript of what he told the... The audience but yeah. he yeah he was he was kind of raised in chicago certainly okay um and that's been that there were a few illusions um uh ftr who were close running buddies with punk um cash made a kind of x across his chest as he was coming out for the main of to support dax in the main event against jay white and then when Dax was doing a BT trigger with whichever Jackson it was, he did look at his wrist as though he was looking at his watch, as in Punk's entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's... Oh, and Andrade, ever wanting to get himself fired, um, sent out a big Twitter, gonna miss you, bro, see you down the line. Mm. But I, I suppose... AEW's a bit less petty than WWE would be in that circumstance, yeah. but in any event. Um, so, yeah, so Collision mentions that he's been fired uh, at the beginning, and then, you know, the announcers on strip, <laughs> strict on their best behaviour not to uh, carry on with that. And then he's not mentioned. I mean, they're, they're a chance at all out, but only when the Jacksons are out. There wasn't that for Kenny Omega's match. There wasn't that for Hangman in the pre-show. Um, Ryan Nemeth obviously wasn't on the show, so it doesn't matter. Um, and, yeah, the Dynamite and Collision this week have been punk-free zones. So uh, that is the end. And um, good riddance, says Because, <laughs> frankly, I'm bloody sick to death of the man. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Mike? I have never had such a turn on a wrestler (laughs) like I have for CM Punk, barring the man I joked about earlier. And that's a very completely different situation. Very much so. You know. Yeah. Um, But whenever I was feeling a bit down, I would watch... His return on the second ever, um, the, what's the Friday? Rampage. Revolution? No, Rampage. That's it. Um, I would watch that return. 
over and over again. I've probably seen that thing, not even joking, at least a hundred times. Not the full promo. I don't need that full, you know, I left wrestling. What's that? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The pop. Yeah, not not the full, I left sports entertainment or I left wrestling and I came back. No, no, because that's like a whole like 20, 25 minutes. Have some free ice cream bars. Right, yeah. But that, that whole thing of everything up to him getting to the ring so many times just to lift my spirits, you know. Because it was CM Punk coming back, you know, when I was in indie wrestling, um, you know, pre, which was, you know, 2004 to about 2008 was when I was early watching it. He was there. He was, you know, it was CM Punk, right? And I loved, I loved the guy. But I knew behind the scenes the stories that he's a bit of an asshole, you know, that Phil Brooks is. Yeah. But then, you know, the, the brawl out happens and he starts losing his luster for me. And I kind of didn't want him to come back. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, but okay, he comes back. You know, it's exciting having him back. I didn't like the shit with the real world title because it seemed like he was trying to work his own program. Yes. You know, and in a way, it felt like it was diminishing MJF's accomplishments. And MJF, to his credit, like, as a character and as a guy, like, as a real human being, like, never acknowledged what was Punk was doing. Never even looked I, over in that direction. I think, you know? I, I think he acknowledged it once. But oh, it was okay. it was literally an aside. Okay. It's like, if they were going to make something of it, they should have done it when MJF and Cole were challenging FTR yeah. on Collision. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was the highest rated Collision. Mm-hmm. Like, ratings dipped back down when they weren't on it. But, mm-hmm. uh, so I can continue. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't like what he was doing there because it really seemed like he was working his own story. And then it happened again, the, you know, brawl in or whatever we're calling it, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, go the fuck away, man. It's tiring. You know, I know I tweeted this out at one point. CM Punk is worth the money. Phil Brooks isn't worth the hassle. Yeah. And because you cannot separate the two at all. No. Phil Brooks has to go because he's ruining the backstage environment. You know, if Tony Khan, through his lawyers, feels he can go on national television, not national, global television, and say, I felt, my life felt threatened. Yeah. What the fuck happened? Yeah. Like, that is, like, because that statement would have been vetted and vetted and vetted. You know, and it probably wasn't the only take he did for that pre-record, right? So, and we, you know, the rumors are some, maybe not everything, but some of this is on tape, too. Yeah. Right? The behind-the-scenes fight. So In Wembley. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just like, go away. I don't want to see you again. Maybe if he comes back in 10 years for a little, you know, like we just had uh, Ricky Steamboat come back. You know, little, hey, I'm here. Or someone wants to work a program with him. He's not the wrestler. He has a surrogate. Maybe then I'll I'll want to see him. But if I never see CM Punk again, it'll be too soon, honestly. it re- I'm just tired of his shit. And I just want the company to move on from past him. It was an interesting experiment. In some ways, it was worth it. They but got they got a new show out of it. Yeah, you know. absolutely, and it's a, it's a fun show. I like what they're doing with it. You know, they can experiment with it. They can whatever, but yeah, it's let's just move on past CM Punk, really. You know, if, and that's that's my take. If I had to put my finger on it, I'd say if Punk had not got injured as soon as he won the title, mm-hmm. 
I think history would have played out very differently. Yeah. Because whilst he said subsequently that he never wanted to be champion in the first place, I can absolutely understand putting the belt on him, yeah. you know, commercially, because he is this big draw. He is getting ratings and merch and attention and all this. Uh, he joked over the course of this summer that uh, the scumbag head of Warner Discovery, whatever his name is, uh, referred to Punk as One Bill Phil um, <laughs> and such like. It's like, hey, pay your writers and actors. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> and again, I think that's something that Phil Brooks would be quite supportive of. Um, yeah. And, you know, as I, I made mention of the trans rights sign, because I want to make it clear that he isn't a thoroughly bad guy, but he is a petty guy, and he's willing to burn bridges at a moment's notice. And yeah. if he doesn't get injured, um, I don't think he cuts the promo on Hangman, because whatever he thinks about Hangman quote-unquote shooting on him in the run-up to their you know, title match, and if he thinks that the like uh, forearm to his jaw was a you know a, a purposefully done thing because he's he's close to the bucks or what have or whatever. Well, I, I suppose it's more because Hangman Page is close to Colt Cabana, and you know that's yeah. an unforgivable sin in uh, right. Punk's eyes. Um, then I think that's just something that Punk could have put in his back pocket and use if you know they're to work together in the future, which. You've got to think that they might do at some point in that, you know, the, the title win was based upon uh, Paige saying, I've got to save AEW from you. You don't mm-hmm. fool me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that and it's the whole Kingston feud of these guys don't know what you're like. I know what you're like backstage. You're an asshole. Yeah. And there is so much, If if you now look at things, if you go back, uh, to things said about Punk on screen or that Punk has said himself on commentary as an active mm-hmm. participant, then there's a lot of unintended humour. Like, the best one that someone's found is, like, who has a problem with Jungle Boy? It's like, <laughs> right. if you've got a problem with Jungle Boy, but maybe you better take a look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, <laughs> that couldn't be funnier nowadays. <laughs> I know. That's got him fired. Yeah. Um... And yeah, I, I think if that happens, then you don't have the interim title thing with Moxley that apparently got heat between uh, Moxley and Punk. Um, and then obviously it, he doesn't get injured again at all out. And mm-hmm. he's not, like he's basically back to square one as he was in June. And that's when he feels like he can just give off that press conference and mm-hmm. such like. So... And what caused his injury? Him jumping into the crowd. It's yeah. just like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that a lot of people are not angels in the situation. We mentioned the elite going to the locker room after the thing. Page could have been a bit more diplomatic or less shooty in his promos or mm. clear things with Punk beforehand. But you've got to say that most of Punk's troubles at eight in AEW. From the outside, because I'm not a hundred, an insider or anything like that, but they do seem to be self-inflicted. 
you might say he steps on his own dick. <laughs> to quote someone, I don't remember who said that, mm. but... Um, yeah. Yeah, he gets... I mean, seriously, like... Punk's that guy who's gonna go, Oh, I hate drama. Never realizing he's the one causing all the drama. Yeah. It's like... You know? It, that's how he justified banning these people from the collision locker room. I don't right. want drama. I create drama. <laughs> yeah, which means he wants people to lick his boots. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying any of his friends do that. I'm not saying FTR do that at all. But that's what he clearly wants: are people who are going to defer to him, and 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 not anybody else. Yeah. You know, not be friends. Like you can't be friends with Phil Brooks. I'm saying that specifically. And be friends with Hangman, Omega, the Bucks, or anybody in that camp. Cabana. You can't. What's that? Cabana. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you, in his mind, you, you have to choose sides. Mm. And it's, I mean, I don't know the man, but that's the way it comes off. You know, that's very much the way it, everything with him seems to come off. And if you're friendly with them, no, then you can't be on my show. Look, doesn't Tony Khan run this show? Yeah, but it's my show. I'm yeah. one Bill Phil. Yeah. You know. And honestly, I don't know what they could have done more to try and temper the situation after everything. Because if it had been anyone else, Brawl Out would have been the end of CM Punk. Yeah. But uh, in AEW, I should say. But yeah. because he's the ratings draw that he is, then Khan clearly did his best. And, you know, against. From what is reported, the advice of people like Jericho, who I think Jericho, as much as said, he said to Punk on that night, "You are a cancer," or something wow. like that, yeah. or, or, or or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, so if he does go back to WWE after everything he has said and everything WWE did to him, then that's the ultimate Punk, isn't it? Of uh, completely selling it. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where pre the deal with Endeavor or whatever it's called, mm. I could have maybe seen it happening, but there's no way that the parent company, the WWE's new parent company, is going to want his brand of drama. No way. They might not want his drama, but at the same time, he had a very good relationship with UFC. Did he really? Yeah, because you, do you? I I can understand why you wouldn't, but uh, if you remember his UFC career, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no, apparently he did business there very well. It's just the fact that he was shit okay. at it. That, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't last longer than it did. But um, right. yeah, so it remains to be seen. But I would have think everything he said in that promo that uh, you refer to, you'd think that that would. Um, at the very least, cause him to uh, have to choose his words a bit more carefully were yeah. he to appear on screen again. But yeah. Um, yeah, but let me let me put it this way: it's one thing to have an employee in any business who is just rubs people the wrong way, right? That's not good to have. It creates a bad work environment. It creates tension. But uh, maybe they're worth the money, and you all just grit your teeth and yeah. put up with it. But someone who's causing fights, I'm not saying starting fights, I'm not saying that, but someone who's causing physical altercations is taking place in them multiple times. 
Yeah. Whether the boss feels his life is in jeopardy or not. Let's remove the Tony Khan piece from this, right? <laughs> Bang, but she's out whatever. of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's take him out of the equation here. He's 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 been part of multiple fights. The UFC Endeavor, whatever WWE will not want that. No. You know that makes it not worth the money because you are opening up so many lawsuits. If someone legit gets hurt, never mind a worker. Let's just say one of your nine to five backstage employees. I say nine to five. I know Breast yeah, is not no. a nine to five business, but one of the backstage employees gets something happen like. There's so many lawsuits that could happen just by having a guy like that around. Until Punk gets his head straight, he's got to get out of this business for his own sake. In, in truth, really, for his own sake. You know, he, he needs to get himself straight and then figure out what he's going to do from there. Yeah. And I, until then, I I wouldn't touch him if I was Endeavor. I wouldn't touch him if I was AEW Impact anywhere. Ain't worth the, ain't worth the hassle. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yep. That's enough of him. Yep. Okay, so I went to All In. And um, that little indie show, that little indie show (laughs) in uh, Wembley Stadium, (laughs) our national sports stadium for football, you know, football. Now, (laughs) had you been to Wembley before? I have. Yes. Now, um, and relatively recently, actually, um, almost a year previous, uh, Pandy and I had gone down to Wembley because um, Dave Grohl was arranging two concerts, one in London and the other in LA, um, as a memorial show for Taylor Hawkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he'd got together a shit ton of people um, for that. So Pandy got tickets for that. Um, I was ostensibly his plus one, but I'm very glad I went. And we were... Again, he managed to get ones that were, for want of a better word, pits... Uh, pitch side so we were kind of mm. we were literally nine rows back from the main stage wow um, nice and we were watching oh god uh we were watching like the surviving members of queen play with people uh with like guest singers such as uh justin hawkins and uh the guy who won eurovision last year for us um I mean, you, Ukraine one. I'm splitting here. Um, but there was like the remaining uh, members of Rush playing there. Uh, Paul McCartney played there. The remaining Pretenders played there. Pretty much every drummer that wasn't Phil Collins um, <laughs> was, uh, you know, took a turn. Wow. Um, that it was it was just an incredible event and. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had been to Wembley because it had actually um, it was rebuilt twenty years ago, so it's not quite the same stadium that uh, Brett and Bulldog wrestled in at SummerSlam '92. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been remodelled since then, but it is very much designed for uh, major shows of that nature. But it's the first time they've uh, hosted a wrestling show. And it was seen very much as a big statement show because yeah. it's the first show that AEW have done outside of North America. Obviously, Collision started off with a, I was about to say big Canadian tour, but it <laughs> didn't sell very well. 
But uh, mm-hmm. because we were so starved over this side of the Atlantic for um, AEW live events, the idea to hold it in the biggest stadium uh, in the UK really laid down a marker because earlier this year, London also plays host to Money in the Bank, uh, which was mm. held at um, the former Mille- Millennium Dome, um, mm. which, uh, if you haven't seen it, yanks. Uh, think the opening sequence of The World Is Not Enough, uh, which Bond jars his uh, shoulder when falling onto. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's now a, um, an event space. Um, and then the previous year, WWE had also hosted uh, an event called Clash at the Castle in mm. Wales, where local Welshman Drew McIntyre <laughs> uh, tried to wrest the title from Roman Reigns. He didn't, but the upshot was Tyson Fury singing some karaoke to send the fans home happy, is what it says here. <sighs> um, yeah, yeah uh, slightly toned F. Um, so uh, WWE um, had to kind of begrudgingly acknowledge that um, 81,000 people went to All In. That's a legit record rather than Vince McMahon's bullshit ones for like WrestleMania 32. And I remember that at Money in the Bank, uh, John Cena made a surprise appearance and very much suggested that WrestleMania should be held in Wembley uh, or in London. But the thing about WrestleMania, I don't know how exactly WWE have managed to con cities into doing this, is that they make cities kind of bid or or pay WWE to host WrestleMania in their city. Mm. Whereas AEW have just basically sold out Wembley Stadium whilst asking London for no money whatsoever. Yeah. So exactly how that would work, I don't know. But the fact that they had Cena go out there and say that um, very much has given WWE fans in the UK the the idea of maybe WrestleMania being held in London. But I, I can tell you now, London is not going to want to pay a private company to put on WrestleMania, especially yeah. if AEW can do it for no money. Um, mm-hmm. off their own steam now that being said I don't think because they haven't announced a second all in at Wembley um, for the same weekend next year I don't think unless the build for it is spectacular which the build for this year's was not let's put it mm-hmm. bluntly um, I don't think they're going to match the 81,000 because I just think the novelty appeal will have worn off and it's just repeated diehards like me who can afford to go um, will we'll do so. So it, it'll be interesting to see how next year pans out. But yeah, um, did you watch All In either live or subsequently? Subsequently, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, um, now I've I've seen it. I I bought it since uh, coming back to see what it was like on screen because I'd heard things about JR's commentary <laughs> at oh, certain yeah. bits um, but obviously so I've I've now seen the show twice ostensibly but so I've seen it with the production given and then I've seen it you know live um, but what was your kind of takeaway from the show as a whole 
this was a very good show with a very weak build. Yes. <laughs> um, not to go back to him, but like what, three weeks before the event, CM Punk was the first person to mention on camera outside of when uh, um, Adam Cole said, yeah, we're doing Wembley. Like he was the first person was to the actually first person to speak about it outside. I think MJF and Cole had been announced as the main event by that mm. point, but right. otherwise, Punk was the second person to mention it. Yeah, yeah. So like when you're only a few weeks out from building to what is going to be your biggest show potentially ever, at least for the next five to ten years, even if, as you said, you return there, kind of is a problem. You know, um, I have, I'm just going to say, I think the reason for that is Tony Khan. I'm wondering if he was worried about people getting injured and didn't want to announce things. And then, you know what I mean? Like he was announcing the, like he was hedging his bets. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Like we'll announce things as late as possible yeah. because we don't want to change things up. <laughs> well, know? I think, I, don't know. I think it's a combination of that. Bear in mind, like two of the biggest British stars in the company and Jamie Hayter and Puck were both injured and wouldn't be able to make it. Um, the other thing is in the words of Kevin Nash, We've already got their money. Yeah. Because the majority of those tickets had sold before a card was announced. That is true. I think they had done basically 70,000 by the time. Yeah. So, like, the card helped shift an extra 10, 11,000 tickets. But ultimately, and this is why I say the novelty is such an important factor, um, you know, basically, can't didn't have to put out his strongest card. Now, Mm -hmm. I think the card was pretty damn strong, but you were getting complaints from certain people. I've got to say, your boy Sidgwick has been a a gloomy guts this year um, in terms of uh, his approach to AEW and its uh, build. Um, Go ahead, I'm sorry, please. I'm I'm not saying it's without justification, but um, I I think... More, moreover, it's just a case that there have been some people in the UK saying things like, oh, come on, we wanted a, a Kenny Omega singles match and we wanted a Hangman singles match. And I understand that. At the same time, AEW has also been accused of having shows that last 12 hours at a time. Mm. Um, and if we got, like, it's... I mean, it, you're, you're counting, like, the, the pre-show, but... Like, there have been pay-per-views that have legit had 15 matches on, which Mm. is too much. I mean, I was pretty tired by the time we got to the main event. And, I mean, the all-in card was pretty stacked, but it wasn't 15 matches. I think with the pre-show, it was around 12. Um, I've I've got Wiki up, and it's 11. Even better. Oh, wait, no, but it's not counting the thing with uh, Jeff Jarrett and... uh that other dude (laughs) great yeah it's not counting that so you're 12 you're on the mark then yeah oh tom campbell why must you make things longer for me in many (laughs) searches um he he wasn't there at north last night he was at a wedding so he got some other guy unfortunately um but yeah so yeah i I mean i couldn't have dealt with a longer show so if it meant watching kenny Hangman and uh, Ibushi teaming together against, you know, 
Bullet Club Gold, who we've also already expressed our admiration for, mm. then I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, to be honest, but mm. um, I, I, it's yeah, it's not the perfect card, and not every result went the way I wanted it to. But mm. uh, such an amazing thing to see live, and yeah. um, I'll I'll send you the odd picture, Mike. Um, yeah. But I was pretty close. It was oh, like nice. I was pitch side. I wasn't within like the seated things right by the ring. I wasn't in like the next tier back after that, but I was in the next tier back after that. So I was still very nice. Um, I couldn't really see many of the entrances unless I walked up to the side, which mm. um, my friend and his mate who was with us, they did quite frequently. Me being a bit more responsible, I stayed behind with some bags just in case they were pinched. Um, yeah. But by and large, I could see the action in ring without issue. Uh, un- unless they went to one side in particular, it was hidden behind a hoist. But um, yeah, it was, and, and the weather held, and uh, yeah, all sorts. Uh, the the match that um, really benefited my my friends going up and seeing it up close was uh, Hook and Jungle Boy, um, mm. because so much of it was based around that car that. Uh, yeah. They saw it right up close, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, if, if, any questions, basically. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you where you were seated, so you've already answered yep. that. I was going to wait until maybe, I don't know if we were going to go match by match, and I don't know how you wanted to talk about this. What was it like hearing seek and destroy for motherfucking sting <laughs> because like when i because i didn't know he came out to that like i didn't have that spoiled yeah so when i watched it the next morning i legit threw up the horns i was like yeah <laughs> like and i'm not like a big sting guy because i was a wwf kid right yeah. i wasn't a wcw guy you know by the time i got into quote-unquote into wcw sting was already the crow and yeah i don't remember if he did seek and destroy when he was surfer sting or if he did that in early days crow sting it doesn't matter but i know that was his music yes for a while so i was like yeah so that too what was it like you know and i don't mean to bring the show down but in the wake of the passing of Wyndham rotunda for the fireflies those two things um Okay, so the, the the death of Wyndham Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt, happened two, three days before All In. Yeah, uh, massive shock because um, I know he'd been off um, television since prior to WrestleMania, uh, which is obviously held uh, April time. Uh, I was aware that he'd been suffering from an illness. I'd kind of guessed mm-hmm. it was probably COVID-related. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't aware until there was one journalist in particular, I think Ryan Satan. Um, uh, <laughs> that could be the wrong pronunciation. Thank you, Carl Sarlick. <laughs> um, had said the family had permitted me to state it was mm-hmm. a heart attack like that was kind of brought on by him, him having suffered COVID or having yeah. long COVID, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a tragic shame. Um, the Fireflies, it didn't immediately hit me as a Bray Wyatt thing, and I mm-hmm. couldn't see the lantern aspect of the House ah. of Black entrance. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I had I knew that House of Black would be would have to be late in the card. What with um, you know, it starting in daylight, so it would need the night time for their uh, entrance to be truly effective. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, it was poignant enough. Um, uh, when we were there, but it wasn't by and large something that was being kind of muttered around from what I could mm. see. see? Okay. Um, yeah, uh, with regard to Seek and Destroy, um, it struck me as cool music. I'd never seen mm. Sting come out to Seek and Destroy before. Oh, so, complete, okay. so completely wasted on me. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I could see it other people's reactions to it um i i could tell it was a, a big deal so yeah. you know fair enough okay um okay no, another question yeah so you saw it live and then you've since watched it uh on television yes or on your computer yeah. whatever is there any did your opinion change for better and or worse on any match based on the live vtv experience I'll say um, the TV... Experience. And I'm not looking for you to disparage any match. That's not what I'm looking no, for. No, no, no. I know how that goes, well, you know. For, 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 for starters, the one match I really didn't get a full appreciation of in the stadium, and you can probably appreciate as to why, was mm -hmm. the stadium stampede match. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of needed that on television or on yeah. free fight TV. Um, just to find out what the hell actually happened. <laughs> um, in part, I did go off to the, the loo and get some uh, refreshments during the match. That was my next question. Because when was the, uh, I was thinking, the bathroom break for, I was, for you? <laughs> well, I was thinking, because you never know, I could have another experience of Eddie Kingston beating someone up nearby me. Um, <laughs> right. Were I to be so lucky, but I was not. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw the beginning, wandered off, caught like the last five minutes or so um and enjoyed it but i needed the you know produced experience to find out what the hell actually happened mm. um i'd also say uh punk punk joe was good live but um with the suspension in mind uh it took on a different context but like things that i missed like just for, for like like him being swung into the um, announce table. It's mm. like some things you needed the screens uh, in the arena for. Um, uh -huh. uh, so there was that. Um, I would say the entrances were particularly good live. Um, so, yes, Sting, but you had uh, Jericho doing the Freddie Mercury wayos and then singing judas down to the ring which actually if you think about it isn't something he's done in aew before oh yeah yeah i mean you had back in the covid times sammy singing it <laughs> like, mm -hmm. which caused jericho to corpse back in the day um and obviously sammy was like at jericho's side during that match but um actually watching jericho you know, walk and chew bubblegum or sing his own song at the same time mm. before he's about to have a match with Will fucking Osprey mm. um, was a thing. Um, then you had like the proper queen entrance for Soraya and her uh, family. 
um, and um, Tony Storm's entrance as well, which was to God Save the King. <laughs> And um, a, a few other things here and there. Like, oh, you know, um, fire pyros? Um, you can feel the heat of those from uh, meters away. Uh, wow, yeah. So God knows what it's like for the people who are actually on the stage as it's happening. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'd, I'd say that was particularly good. Um, and, you know, just getting the, the opportunity to start up chants and all. Um, unfortunately, because um, uh, uh, FTR Hair, um, better known as Cash Wheeler, um, has had some, at the time of recording, publicised legal issues about having a gun on him during a road rage incident. So um, there were that, uh, quite a few mischievous chants uh, with regards to that. But um, uh, otherwise, no, just just a, a really good experience. Um, I, I I can go through the card very briefly. Um, you had Better Than You Baby of Adam Cole and MJF uh, defeating Aussie Open. Um, disappointingly kind of straightforward, but you can absolutely understand why, because you don't want either guy injured, because that's your main event. Yeah, that was a smart move by Tony Khan opening the show with that. I didn't say opening show, but the pre-show. With that match, get all the asses in the seats. Yeah. Because that's what that really was about. But holy shit. Like, that could have gone sideways so badly. Yeah. For him. Like, so badly. I know. <laughs> I, I, I suppose, moreover, it's just it's a bit of a shame for Aussie Open. Um, yeah. But if you're going to sacrifice one set of tag titles, then you're going to do it to the RH ones rather than FTR. Especially because yeah. you've already had... Uh, Cole and MJF take on FTR yeah. already over the course of the summer. Yeah. Great match yeah. as it was. Um, and then the aforementioned uh, match between Hook and Jack Perry for Hook to win back the FTR, uh, FTR, the FTW uh, <laughs> Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, not much more to say about that. Um, it's CM Punk defeating Samoa Joe for the Real World Championship. Great match, despite all the baggage that that goes with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Samoa Joe getting his flowers for um, how how he handled the situation is uh, very well deserved. Because uh, I, <laughs> I remember the fact that before he got fired twice by the WWE mm-hmm. um, in, you know, in and around the COVID times, um, the abiding memory of him was he'd vacated the NXT title and then for the Wrestlemania that only had a few people there for it in 2021 there was the image of him in the poncho because Rain had stopped play for a bit and like seeing him now it's like oh he's so much happier so much happier albeit he wasn't during that match for obvious reasons but uh... no like when you and I don't mean you specifically like if, if you watch that match at the time when you don't know what's happened you just think it's Smojo versus CM Punk. They got shoot heat, man. Yeah. Or not shoot, work heat. Da, da, da. But when you watch it back, like, after he puts his head through the side of the table and he makes the jerk-off motion, <laughs> and then later on he does something else to Punk. Oh, it might be walking it away. It was when he walked when... away when um, Punk flew over the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he gives him the middle finger. Yeah. as he's And it's like... Yeah, like now when you know what happened backstage, and you know if the story is true that Joe is the one who had to get in the middle of that shit, yeah. 
I imagine, you know, the real guy behind Samoa Joe is not too happy with fucking Phil. Yeah. You know, so it really changes the con. It, if you don't know, let's say 10 years down the line, people forget what happened, right? Yeah. People just look at that, oh, Samoa Joe and CM Punk, they got heat because they can rivalry goes back 20 years, you know? But, like, if you know, you're like, yeah, this is, there's something else going on. There's a whole other layer to this, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a tweet somewhere between All In and Punk's firing about Joe being, uh, he, he doesn't name the individual, but he says it's terrible when your friendship is commoditized um, mm. and, and things like that. But yeah. either way, but as you say, you, you wouldn't be able to tell um, if you didn't know. Uh, when watching yeah. that match uh, so next up was um, the golden elite of Omega Page and Ibushi uh, in a losing effort to Bullet Club Gold uh, of Jay White and Juice Robinson uh, partnered up with uh, Takeshita who is Don Callis' uh, now protege and um uh, again, very good match. Um, it was more a case of Takeshita kind of stealing it against Kenny, but um, uh, good match. Nice seeing mm. these guys in action. Um, yeah. I couldn't see like the Bullet Club gold entrance proper, although uh, Juice Robinson's kind of snail crawl thing was happening in the tunnel anyway, so... Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't the... I mean, you've seen it now back on TV or whatever, so it's not like the full thing, because you really do need that entrance in the dark. Oh, yes, yes. You need the lights to go down, you need the camera spinning, and they they didn't do it that way, and that's fine, you know, because I think they understood. You can't do this one in the the light of day, you know, so they they changed it up, so, yeah. Um, And then uh, my contender for match of the night was uh, the AEW Tag Team Championship match which was the rubber match between FTR and the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. And I went into it thinking, given Cash Wheeler's legal troubles, yeah. um, I was just anticipating the Bucks would win, even though if I were booking, I would have FTR retain. Yeah, And FTR did retain. And mm-hmm. um, that match was amazing. Yeah. Because you love your tag wrestling, don't you, Mike? I do, and you know these are legit. I you know I can't speak of um, any wrestling that's happening outside of AEW and barely a little bit of WWE. What I'm following, so I can't speak of Mexico, Japan, and elsewhere. But these are like legit two of the best tag teams working today. Like you just you just can't deny it. Yeah. So you know, yeah, this is just like I I love what they're doing with these guys. And, I really do. And they are truly established as the 1A and 1B of tag teams in AEWE. So if you have like the, yeah. the tier rankings that you see on uh-huh. uh, well, on the internet but and on content creation vid- videos, if you were doing a tag team ranking for um AEW, you'd have the Bucks and FTR at the top and then you go from there downwards pretty much. And and the problem is, one A, excuse me, one and one A yeah, to yeah. two. It's too big a gap. There are some mm. really good teams there, but I, I really think they got to start building up some guys yeah. underneath them to make it so that when these guys retire, because you know their their backs and bodies can't last forever. Yeah, they need someone to step up and go. 
yeah, it's you know you're not waiting for the titles to be put back on FTR or the Bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you can do that with you know you could put Hangman and Omega back together if you wanted to because that'd be a cool little run. But yeah. you know you really need like real tag teams to like take these titles off these guys and be the next guys. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, following, oh, and, um, the, uh, lack of a handshake at the end, um, oh, yeah. also <laughs> allows things to rumble on. He says mm-hmm. rumble as, uh, thunder just, uh, crashes outside of my house. Oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so apologies if it comes up on the recording. Yeah. Uh, stadium stampede was next. Um, again, I needed to watch it, um, to get an idea of what the hell actually happened. Um, but a lovely moment for best friend and Orange Cassidy, because I think, especially for like Chuck Taylor and Trent, because I'm not even talking about like them having lost their parking lot brawl against the Blackpool Combat Club. It's just like these guys have been like with AEW for day one. They haven't won the tag championships. They're unlikely to win the tag championships. They're there to put over other people. But, like, the grin on Chuck Taylor's face is he and Trent are helping Cassidy to the back in Wembley Stadium uh-huh. as Jane is playing. Sue has made a cameo, you know. Sue, Sue has her own van in every country <laughs> in the world. There's a story underneath here where Sue's running some sort of cartel. <laughs> And and her having vans is like the, the the clue. Like, wait a minute, how does Sue know how to drive? How does she have a license in the UK? Yeah. Hmm. You, could, you could literally call it Sue's cartel. <laughs> hey, there we go. And I I love I I truly love I think it's Excalibur when he, he like the van. You see the van. The crowd figures out that it's Sue and starts going Sue. And Excalibur just goes it's. Sue, like Shivani does for Sting, and Shivani, you hear him, and he goes, "Oh God, I love this," or something like this. Like he just had the complete piss taken out of him for like the last thirty years being a Sting fanboy, and he's just, you know, he's just looking at Excalibur, like, "I love this job." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Sue, it's awesome. Yeah. Um. I, I will say there was the unintended comedy of uh, Penta being helped to the back and then Mick Foley style changing gimmick and coming back yeah. out. <laughs> With music and everything. With music and everything. Because yeah. when I was coming back to my seat, I'm like, hey, wait, what? You know? <laughs> right. What's going on here? Um, oh, I have I have one more question for you about this match. Okay. And it's not what you saw live there. You can only see it on TV. Maybe you haven't caught it. There's a moment literally just before Sue drives up where Moxley's walking, and I forget who's standing next to him. It might be uh, Claudio. And he goes, God damn. Like, it really felt like the real guy was pissed about something. Right. Do you, what happened? Have you picked up on that? Maybe I'm, I don't maybe it is just supposed to be John Moxley and not whatever his real name is. But yeah, there's, it's like he's like frustrated that a spot didn't go the right way or something. I didn't know if you knew. So I'd have to rewatch. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so following that, we have the four-way match for the women's championship, uh, in which uh, Shida was defending, uh, having won for a second time after beating Tony Storm. 
upsides uh, to having done that. It gave Tony Storm a new gimmick and gave Shida the chance to, you know, be champion in front of a, a an audience and head into Wembley Stadium as the crowd, which is a nice thank you gesture. Possibly devalues the belt. Um, yeah, but yeah. what devalues the belt more? Soraya won. Um, <laughs> with uh, all of her family at ringside. Uh, Mike and I spoke off air about fighting with my family. Um, <laughs> I have to assume it was done it as she was the only active British wrestler um, to be around to get a moment. There was Kip Sabian, but eh. Um, yeah, there, there were some good moments in this, particularly Tony Storm punching out Soraya's mum. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> especially because Saray's mum had been named in the Me Too movement, uh-huh, or the Speaking uh-huh. Out movement. I forget which is the rest I know of what she one. Meant. But um, yeah, Speaking Out. Yeah, so the fact that she and her scumbag family celebrate afterwards, <laughs> and then they actually walked around. They didn't actually go back through the tunnel. They actually walked around to like one of the exit gates. So that that, that mm. was happening like off to the side of me to the right. I'm like, oh, yeah. there goes the Knight family. No. Right. <laughs> have you seen since what's happened with Emi Sakura? Yes. yes on Twitter? Have, yes. So I don't know if this is supposed to be a shoot or if all of this is real, if they're going to work a program with her and Soraya down the line, but I hope that it's like part of a storyline and they're not... But what I mean yeah. is like I hope she wasn't really hurt by Soraya coming out to Queen. Right. I mean, Sakura's whole thing is Freddie Mercury. Yeah. You know? I'd be so, surprised. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether or not it would have been run past her or not. But either yeah. way, I mean, even if that happens, they can probably do business off the back of it. So, yeah. you know. And um, not have a brawl in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strange how that happens. Uh, then after that was the coffin match uh, between uh, Darby and his pal Joker Sting, um, who <laughs> they did a wacky skit where Joker Sting was Jack the Ripper, seemingly. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sting's Seeking Destroy music duly came out. Uh, they beat Swerve Strickland and not AR Fox, because apparently he hadn't told AEW he can't actually travel. <laughs> Dumbass. Missing out on the biggest spot of your career because of that. I know. But who better to who better than Christian um, to (laughs) take that spot specifically when uh, Derby uh, was one of the people in a booked match for All Out the following week uh, for the TNT title against Luchasaurus. So, um, I mean, just great to have because uh, Christian had a like custom Titan Tron as well. I know it's not a Titan Tron in AEW, but uh, yeah. um, and that was, but I mean, arguably maybe one too many matches with hardcore things in it, but mm. um, uh, but always that I've, I've seen Sting live, Mike. Yeah, Sting. I had to. Double check. I went to one WCW event, very late 90s, very early 2000s in Chicago. It might have been Bash at the Beach. Right. And I'm like, was Sting on it? And he was. Okay. But I don't remember watching him work. So what that would Sting would not have been my bathroom break match. Even though, like I said, I've never been a Sting guy. Yeah. Definitely would not have been my bathroom break, Mitch, if I took one at all. 
But, oh my god, I can't imagine seeing Sting for one, two, and fucking Wembley. Holy <laughs> shit. You know, um, lucky so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just pay to have a friend rich enough for tickets. Um, <laughs> and then um, following that was the match between uh, Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. And on paper, it's just like, oh, you could have had Ospreay Omega again. Jericho, really? Is that not Jericho hogging a bit of glory? And it is that, but you can see it from the other point of view from uh, for Osprey. It's like he's getting a hometown a home reaction. He's from Essex, which is one county over from London. Um, he's wrestling in front of 81,000 people, ostensibly British people, against Chris Jericho... Wembley Stadium that is a big deal for him and yeah he went ahead and won that match having beaten Okada the month prior and before that um, beating uh, Kenny so he's had a huge summer as Osprey and his contract with New Japan's meant to expire mm-hmm. like around the, the turn of next year and it may well be that he joins AEW full time may well be not necessarily, but um, you can't rule it out. And I think that match over-delivered as well. Hugely. Yeah. I have no problem with this not being Osprey Omega, would it be three? Yes. Because that's a New Japan story. I mean, I know their second match was in an AEW ring, Forbidden Door, too, Yeah, but that's a co-production. Right, exactly. So... I mean, you could have done it, but no. Whenever that happens, probably next year. And I'm just saying, probably the hell of I know. Yeah. It's it's got to be either in like Forbidden Door three or properly in New Japan. Like Kenny makes a surprise appearance or something, and they have then they book a match or something. But anyways, going into this one, though I didn't care that it wasn't Osprey Omega three, I really was like Jericho Osprey. Because I didn't think Chris could keep up with Osprey. Yeah. Because, I mean, no offense to Jericho, but, you know, he's not the guy he was in the mid-90s or even early 2000s, right? I mean, age. It happens. But holy shit, did this over-deliver, <laughs> to use your word. Like, wow. Like, I don't think there was any doubt Osprey was going to win. It would have been stupid oh, yeah. to not have him win. Same with Soraya. Like, you had, to, you had to pull the trigger on Soraya then. You just did. You know... But wow, this was there was some old school Jericho in here, yeah. Like, and it was very good to see, you know. So, you know, and plus, I mean, we got a crazy good promo. At least I thought so from Osprey at that contract signing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Osprey and Eddie Kingston are the two dudes that make me think wrestling's real. Right. Not so much when it comes to Osprey. Not so much his in ring work because it is the over the top spinning and. I mean, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's it's not as, it doesn't look like UFC fighting or boxing, mm-hmm. right? So it's got that wrestling, but the promos, I buy he believes it, much like I believe Eddie, and I believe Eddie's fights more than Eddie Osprey's, I believe Eddie believes it, yeah. and that makes me believe it, and he made me believe this fight with Jericho was a feather in his cap, which in 24 gets him millions and millions of dollars to support his wife and stepson. Like, yeah. yes, please, draw me in like that, that's what I want. It also helps that Will Ospreay is a thick idiot, so uh, I can absolutely <laughs> believe that he believes what he believes. 
Uh, See, now, I, I've heard this. What, what is this Osprey is an idiot thing? It's like what, one of these guys who's ring smart, but as a person doesn't have a lot of common sense. Oh, okay. It's like he took a video of himself working out, and then as he was doing the splits, he farted. Uh, so it showed up <laughs> on Botchamania. And then he took a video of himself in bed watching that episode of Botchamania and go, No, Matthew, why could you do this to me? So that that ended up on the next botch of mania. <laughs> so um, wow, yeah, a bit okay. of a plank. But he has beaten uh, Seth Rollins in a Twitter feud, which means Seth Rollins is even stupider. Than Will. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So the penultimate match of the night was the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Finally, Billy Gunn wins something. As as I yeah. predict in every episode of these, uh, beating the House of Black for the trios titles, uh, this match was actually really poor. <laughs> was it okay? I mean, it's not great on TV, but live, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I just praise him, but I don't think Gum was working his absolute hardest for this. But it was mm. the kind of cool down match before the main event after yeah. Osprey Jericho. Um, and, you know, at the very least, the acclaimed is such an overact. The House of Black are very over as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Julia pulling Aubrey out the the ring um, mm-hmm. was, you know, a pretty heated spot and everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, so lots of scissoring well, going on. <laughs> and, I mean, it's like, you know, because we have been WWE brained, you get used to the refs getting hands put on them. Yeah. But, like, you don't see it... You're seeing it more and more in AEW, but it's like, when it happens to Aubrey, it's like, what are you doing? And it's not because she's a woman. It's because she's one of the most beloved characters yes. on that show. Yeah. It's like, you you do not hurt Aubrey Edwards. We will cut you. Yeah. We will cut you deep. You the, one, the one time she had a match, um, right. she, she got to be physical against Karen Jarrett. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's the kind of... That's what I'll allow for referees in matches. If yeah. it's a bullshit Jarrett match, because right. that's base. Je- I, I tell you what, something we missed out. It's the fact mm-hmm. that when Jeff Jarrett was signed, there was just like a collective groan of, oh no. Because we remember what Jarrett was like in the late 90s and his run in TNA in the noughties. It's just like the Triple H reign of terror, but with Jeff Jarrett. And this Jeff Jarrett is the best Jeff Jarrett, because... He doesn't win anything. <laughs> hey, he won that Leatherface Championship. And did you see that match? <laughs> I, no, I did. Dog shit. <laughs> I have no but surprise. It made like loads of money that was donated instantly to charity. So good on Jeff yeah. Jarrett for having do- and yeah. Jeff Hardy. But you know, it's the kind of match that rightly gets lampooned. But you know, if, yeah. if it raises lots of money for charity, then you know. For the sake of, I don't know, fifteen minutes of airtime. Now, again, some someone mightily disagreed uh, with that line of thinking. I don't think it. I mean, it might have been Cedric. I don't really listen to his stuff, but uh, I think Wrestle Talk possibly um, made that argument. It's like with time being a premium, why are you wasting it on shit like this? But uh, mm. made a lot of money for charity, so yeah. And look. I just want to say, I've always been a Jarrett guy. 
I ain't Michael Hamflit level Jared guy, <laughs> but I've always been a Jared apologist. Now that said, I did not watch TNA Impact right when he was having his, as you put it, his Triple H style reign of terror. So yeah. I got to take that out of the equation. But I was in, even though I really wasn't watching WCW at all, but especially at the end there, like with the Russo era yeah. and all that. I thought it was, I, I'm like, it kind of made sense putting the belt on Jarrett with what they were trying to do over there. Yeah. I liked him in WWF, what little I saw of him. The fact that he held Vince fucking McMahon hostage. Yes. For the seed money that would create TNA impact. Mwah, yeah. mwah, mwah, mwah. I love Jarrett. And the fact that he's now like, this guy, he's like, I'm in wrestling. It's a carny act. Let's just be fucking carnies. Get your money, man. And he's he's the one that's making this stuff happen, this international stuff happen. Yeah. Jarrett's, Jarrett's I mean, I don't know the man personally. I don't know what he's really like, but I got a, I got, I got, I got time for what he's doing. Yeah. Even if it's not Tyson, the best matches. Tyson's I got time for a massive healer for Jeff Jarrett. And I, uh-huh. I will say, because I wasn't watching, I was just following on the oratory what was going down at TNA at the time. Yeah. Um, and it did sounds pretty terrible but at the very sure. least in the 1990 2000 era of wcw as much as he got like very cheap heel wings that propelled him to the top he did also get his comeuppance in mm. fair measure as well so mm. yeah I, I did nowadays i really don't mind jeff jarrett so um mm-hmm. yeah but he wasn't in this match um and uh we'll just move on to the main event which was MJF and Adam Cole which was a storytelling masterclass mm-hmm. um the drawn finish um like being like hugely unpopular in the arena and yeah. then Cole asking for five more minutes just mirroring like their first in-ring encounter uh-huh. And MJF saying no, and uh-huh. it taking on a whole new meaning uh-huh. was was fantastic. And then you know how you were talking about people laying hands on referees earlier. Yeah, Bryce Remsburg took a Panama sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody around Adam Cole gets a broken neck. What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's supporting terms from Roderick Strong and all. But um, I will say, as soon as the final bell went, uh, me and my friends uh, legged it out of Wembley so that we could get on the trains uh, properly. Um, So I didn't see the full, like, belt argument at at the very end. And and that, I mean, obviously, I saw it again once uh, Mm. the produced show. Um, so I didn't see uh, the kingdom coming out at the end either, but uh, mm-hmm. but by and large, uh, yeah, just great way of closing the show. And I'm I'm glad it ended on a, an up note rather than like if if Cole had turned on MJF, which was my inkling going in, then it would have ended like the biggest show in AEW history on a downer. Mm-hmm. Which you know they instead saved for all out instead, but it was a different kind of downer in front of a much smaller audience, which actually mm-hmm. just helped make Orange Cassidy. So yeah, um, yeah I'm very pleased with how it turned out. So I've got to say, all in all, for shows to actually you know bear witness to in attendance live, it was a a pretty good one. 
So let me ask you this. I'm still a little... I'm still forming my opinions on the ending of that match. Okay. Not the extra time. But the fact that it ended with a... What was it? Inside Cradle or a small package? I know technically they're... Uh, I think small package... I think... Is Inside Cradle... No, because it's a roll-up if it, it's from behind. Yeah, like an Inside Cradle I think is a slightly different small package. It's a different hold, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a roll-up. It's not, you know, yeah. whatever. And I think a roll-up is a legit finishing move. It's just the WWE has ruined it, you know? Mm. So, but what was it like that match in Wembley officially ending in the extra time yeah. with that kind of move without a big finisher having been hit, you know, and that sort of... Because we're trained yes. to want the Panama Sunrise, to want the... Yes. Uh, what's the knee to the back of the head that he does? The uh, uh, What's his uh, The boom. Yeah, the lowering the boom or whatever. You know, we didn't get whatever MJF's finishers are that I'm blanking on right now. You know, we, at least to finish the match. So I'm like, it feels a little anticlimactic for that show specifically. But as someone who was in the building, what did that feel like? Did it? What it was, was because everyone was so behind MJF, because Cole Mm -hmm. basically worked that match as a heel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that MJF had kicked out of a Panama Sunrise and Boom combination, and it was that that was like leading Cole to the what have I got to do kind of scenario. And it was mm-hmm. at that point that he was like being handed the belt by Strong and like refusing to go through with it. And it was after that that immediately MJF does the cradle. Um, but people were just like, Damn, he outsmarted him. And mm, great. Okay. Now that was the kind of general feeling that I got from like the people around me, because uh, again, eighty-one thousand people were there. So mm-hmm. again, I, I can't say for definite it was universally popular. That being mm-hmm. said, I think by and large, it. I mean, it wasn't a finish that was shat on. Put it that way. Mm. Okay. Right. Uh, so that was all in. Um, all out happened too, but I wasn't at that one, so <laughs> frankly, uh, Mike, you're from Chicago. Why didn't you go to that? I didn't go there, so I don't care. So. <laughs> I, was, I know you didn't. I'm asking why. So you, want, I don't know. So do you want me to go through the card, or do you? What do you want me nah, to do here? Nah, let's, all out happened. We can refer to it when we're going through the championships because yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, yes, it's that time where we go through the championships, uh, who holds mm-hmm. them currently, and who we respectively think will uh, take the title next, and who we want to take the title next. So then, let's start out with, uh, let's face it, the least important one, the Women's Division. No, the FW. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh title, which Hook regained from uh, Jack Perry at all in and uh, unless he was on rampage hasn't been seen since um so this makes hook a two-time ftw champion after a program uh stretching across the summer since forbidden door and jack perry's turn uh transforming from jungle boy to uh a guy who comes out to classical music and has a chip mm. on his shoulder about ecw um, yeah. Which is why we got a Jack Perry versus RVD match, which yeah. I, I enjoys. RVD's mm-hmm. fifty-one, but he's always been a flexible man. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, 
But uh, Hook retained the title, and if there were plans to carry on the feud in some way, I don't think it would have made sense, but that's mute anyway, because Perry is still suspended from mm-hmm. uh, the brawl, which is probably for the best, even notwithstanding Punk being gone, there's pro- Perry probably... Uh, well, but, but put it this way, Perry being off TV is not a bad thing at the moment. No. Yeah. No. Um, so I'm now going to do something that you previously guessed for the FTW title in terms of think and want. I think uh, the FTW title served its purpose. Yeah. I think the Perry feud was your moment of someone outside of the Team Taz affiliates taking it and making it mean something to Hook. And fair play to Taz on commentary for... Uh, getting over how much he hates Perry having <laughs> yeah. a hold of, quote-unquote, his belts. But um, mm. I think that's pretty much all you need to do with the belt. I'm not sure that's how it's going to go, because, again, the whole idea of Hook taking it back was to save it from being retired in, in mm. storyline, but I don't really see any purpose for it other than to keep Hook on television, which isn't a bad idea, but at the same time, um, yeah, I I don't think it's a belt that needs a a longer lineage. No, and I'm I'm there with you. At this point, you know, Hook can carry it around. They can put an FTW champion on his Chiron as he's entering and whatnot. He could even defend it, you know, but... At this point, it's it started with his dad. It ends with the son. Yeah, you know it's it's great that they put it on Jack. I like what they were doing. I at the end, I thought I, hell, I could have if Jack held it for a couple more months, I would have been happy with it because he was seemingly like leaning into it. Yeah, you know, but everything happened that happened, and the timing just worked out to put it back on hook. So they did it. The belt's done. Let's move on. I'm not saying you and I move on. I mean, from FDW. But but there's so little else to say, we may as well. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, Okay, Uh, let's go uh, to the trios division. So as I say, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn uh, also uh, took the championships in question at All In, having beaten the House of Black. So uh, they've only held the title as uh, they stated on Collision. (laughs) yesterday for 13 days uh, so we 14 days at time of recording and um yeah so they've, they've got the belts because they're a very over act i like them as an act uh so it's a case of who we think and who we want to see take the titles so in my line of thinking mike i am going to say bullet club gold and that's for th- just think that is for think yes do you have so considering there's three belts but four men in bullet club gold right do you have three you see it or because i'm going to tell you go ahead please go ahead so i was specifically thinking the guns and juice robinson same thing i'm adding though freebird rule right where jay could sub in because i love the freebird rule yeah for three-man or four-man groups, because if someone gets hurt, you don't have to strip the belt. Yeah, yeah. You still you can let the guys still do the thing. I, I think the free bird rule is one of the most genius things in wrestling of all time. <laughs> I legit do. Yeah, you know. So yeah, and I'll tell you what, they're also my want. 
They're not just my thing. Okay. Yeah, Bullet Club Gold with the guns and juice, but Jay is there when and if needed. Okay, so... Or, or if this were Japanese wrestling, Card Blade. They sub that. Pencils, inflatable dolls, etc. <laughs> no one in the ring but the referee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of want Bullet Club Gold to be the next uh, Trails Champions, but I also... Um, got to thinking about another team, although I think they could probably use some season. So basically, if the acclaimed were to lose the Trey's titles tomorrow or within this kind of cycle of booking, then absolutely Bullet Club. But if they were to overcome the Bullet Club somehow, then I would want the people to take it off them to be LIJ. Which is Roosh's stable, which mm. is Roosh, uh, Preston Vance, the former ten of the Dark Order, and Draglistico. I think that's how you say it, um, because they have recently been in promo uh, packages of Roosh having re-signed with uh, AEW properly now, um, like taking or having uh, Jose the assistant drag them down to Mexico. Uh, to toughen up Preston and uh, Dralistico a bit more. So I'm thinking that they're going to need um, a bit more TV time before you can have them uh, win the titles, which makes me think of a trio's feud between House of Black and LIJ. Mm -hmm. And then if they they show that they're on a level with House of Black then that would make them um, good contenders to take the titles off of the current champs. Or even, you know, Bullet Club. I'm just thinking that Bullet Club Gold, as lovable as they are, they are a heel act. Whereas LIJ are also a heel act, but they're not being made out to be lovable. So that would do a bit better against your lovable faces of uh, Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Plus... If we're looking at Bullet, Bullet Club, the personnel of Bullet Club Gold, um, it's boiling down to again the acclaimed versus the guns. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Uh, the last championship that was uh, won or changed hands at All In was the women's championship, which was a uh, wonderfully built four-way match. Uh, which had uh, Soraya, the former page uh, of Fighting for My Family fame, plus lies, um, uh, take the belt because she was the hometown girl, if you think that, yeah, Norwich is close enough to London, I suppose. And uh, a wonderful moment with her delightful Look, family. If if Drew, if Drew McIntyre can headline <laughs> Clash at the Castle, then this is close enough. That's... Boyo Drew McIntyre. <laughs> you, you might remember him Ruff. from Torchwood. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, Mike, let's kick off with you. Who do you think will take the title off uh, Soraya? And who do you want it to be? Wait, I can't let that drop. Was he really in Torchwood? <laughs> I'm just, it's just uh, a better idea for uh, oh. people out there. Um, imagine... Famed Scotsman Drew McIntyre just blending into the background in Torchwood. <laughs> and they've just been like, yep, you're one of us. <laughs> Tackies. Okay. 
So, anyways, to the to the women's you said. So, who do I think will take it, and who do I want to take it? Correct. Right. I I don't like the fact that it seems like they've been playing a bit of hot potato with this belt. Yep. You know, they they gave it to Sheeta, which I respected what they did there and why they had her wear it into Wembley. I don't like it, but I understand why they had Soraya win it at Wembley. And I don't think there should be another short title reign, but I do think they got to get it the fuck off her. Yes. I really do. And it's got to go to Tony Storm. I mean, there's no other choice right now. <laughs> and I say that not because the women's division isn't flush with wonderful competitors. It's she's amazing right now. And can you, she's doing this like old school Hollywood starlet who's lost her fucking mind. Imagine her if she's got gold. She's going to be the like, gimmick. it's, so it's crazy. It, chin up. Tits out, watch for the shoe. That is like, that's going to be like the thing I say on my deathbed. My wife's going to look at me and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm dying. But watch for the shoe. But yeah, imagine that character with gold. Yes. That is like, that is gold. That's a money-making machine. So I honestly think in the next couple of weeks, you got to find a way to put it on Tony Storm. You just have to. Right. And with this seeming implosion of the outsiders or whatever they're called, uh, outcasts. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, it's it makes sense. Just put it on her. She's at odds with that group, and she can play situational heel, situational babyface, whatever. Tony Storm's awesome. You know. Yeah, I agree. So then, you want me to do my want next? Yes, please. Mercedes Monet. <laughs> Bring her in, have her squash Soraya, and then sweep that woman under the rug and get her out of there. Yep, celebrity guest from All In <laughs> as they cut to her. At both the beginning of the show and then, strangely, during the trios match. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, yes, the long-awaited program between Mercedes Monet and Julia Hart. <laughs> hey, maybe it was Malachi Black. They're working some long story from NXT when he was uh, Alistair. Yes. You know? <laughs> that, that, it, I, I mean, Black loves his long-term storytelling. He does. He's still working he that eye injury from Seth Rollins. <laughs> That's right. Jeez, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, so from my point, I'm with you a lot. Um, I would say that I think uh, the best person to take, and I, I think that they'll do this because I don't know, I don't know the true details of how long she's out for, but... I think there's a lot uh, to be gained for Jamie Hayter. Yeah. Like the second she comes back, she just mm-hmm. takes it back and acts like... Not acts like nothing's happened, because we're doing quite a lot of that with the CM Punk situation. Mm-hmm. But um, just, like, for stories there, it's like, you took my moment at Wembley, um, I'm, therefore I'm taking my belt back. Um, and obviously the outcasts were kind of essential in uh, Hater losing her title to begin with uh, to get rid of the whole interim uh, thing that we discussed earlier. So I think that because Saray is known like in terms of mainstream appeal, I mean it was Grand Slam last year where she debuted um, so she's coming up to a year within the company and you know, rightly or wrongly wrongly, um, she does have that kind of um, mainstream appeal. So I can understand, you know, Tony Khan just holding off a little bit until Hate is ready to take her belt in the way that I think 
ostensibly he was waiting for Statlander to be healthy enough to uh-huh. take the TBS title. So that's what I think the goal is going to be, albeit I've got no kind of intel on Hater. It's like, yeah. I mean, last we heard was she wasn't going to be cleared in time for regaining her title at Wembley, which is a right. crying shame and which led to, to what we got. Uh, who I want to take the belt? Anyone! Anyone! <laughs> yeah. Hire back Sunny Kiss. I don't care. Yes. I, hire back Mel. Hire back Brandy <laughs> Rhodes. Actually, don't, okay, not that far. But anyone. I mm-hmm. Seriously, the, the people that I was there watching the show with, they were like, oh, yeah, this is a great moment. I'm like, dude, do you know anything about Paige's family? They're yeah. fucking monsters. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, so anyone, but uh, I've also written down Monet. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know when she debuts, but um, yeah. you know we've got Grand Slam just around the corner. We've got Wrestle Dream, which is a terrible name for a baby. <laughs> yeah, I get why they called it that, like what they're doing. But I'm like, the fuck is that? I know. <laughs> so Tony Khan, I, we know you love wrestling, but mm. even this is a bit. Yeah. Fallacious, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. anyway, um, you know, well, you know, <laughs> on the subject of Tony Khan and the women's uh, divisions, let's let's bunch them up. Let's do the TBS <laughs> title next. Um, so the TBS title uh, currently held by Chris Statlander, who ended Jade Cargill's uh, long-running undefeated streak and uh, title reign at Double or Nothing. Um, after uh, Jade had um, uh, successfully defended against uh, Tyre, is she Valkyrie now or is she Valkyrie previously? I think she's Valkyrie. Um, And then issued an open challenge there and then, like a dumbass, and Mm. uh, Chris Statlander uh, re-debuted and uh, won the title and has held it ever since. Um, In a, a series of competitive open challenges but again it's like the TBS title has very little to no storytelling which is a shame um, but um, I, I think it's fair to say everyone's happy that Statland is the current champion so yeah. uh, th- there's that at least um, so think and want um, this is where I think uh, Tony Storm might pick up some gold Ah, okay. Because I think it does two things. I think it keeps Storm and Soraya kind of apart. I mean, pulling the curtain back, they're about to uh, face off against one another at Grand Slam, and after that, I, be- I think Storm really needs to remove herself from the Outcasts and just take this gimmick to like pe- to women all over the roster. Yeah. Um, if anything, to give the rest of the roster some shine as to how they react against her um and i have the other thing it would do is in the same way that storm was the first two-time uh aw women's champion uh she could be the first uh female wrestler to hold both titles mm-hmm. because unlike Britt baker who was obviously going to be the poster child of the div- women's division early on uh, Tony Storm is a well-respected and technically very gifted wrestler, yeah. which Britt Baker not so much. Mm. Um, so I mean, she's got the 
star appeal and everything, but she's not as good in the ring as Tony Storm. And now that Storm's also got a gimmick finally as well, other than, I mean, she came in as, oh, it's Tony Storm who was misused in WWE. And then it was Outcasts Tony Storm, where, you know, that kept her on TV, but it's the same gimmick that she was sharing with Soraya and then later Ruby Soho. And now she's just got this, as you say, amazing <laughs> gimmick where she's throwing shoes at Lexi Nair <laughs> and Renee Paquette and everything. Um, so, yeah, so I'd love to see Tony Storm as the TBS champion. Who I... So that's what I think could very well be the case. Who I perhaps want to see um, hold the belt next would be Athena, who is the current ROH women's champion, the former Ember Moon, and uh, apparently she is doing great things at Ring of Honor, um, none of which I'm watching because I'm not subscribed to the Honor Club. But mm-hmm. ostensibly, she, like quite a lot of champions within ROH, um, she's establishing a, a relatively long run and um, taking on all comers. And she's currently got a storyline going on with the kind of female Nick Wayne in uh, Billy Starks, um, by which I say she has also just turned of an age where she can be a professional wrestler rather than they have the exact same moveset. So, right. But ROH is designed to be now a feeder fed to AEW, which I think is actually a very good use of ROH, um, yeah. to be honest. I mean, whatever you nostalgia you have for ROH from 20 years ago and I know you were a bit more into it than I was at the time Mike Um, I know IWA was more on your in your neighborhood but you know Mm. it's that kind of thing same kind of wrestlers yeah Um, and now that they've got rid of dark and dark elevation um, you know once Athena's kind of exhausted the competition in ROH then yeah graduate up to AEW proper what about you? Well, I think we have to pull the curtain back a little here. So there was a bit of an audio glitch <laughs> <laughs> while we were doing this uh, segment, Call this portion tug. of the segment. Call <laughs> and so we started this one a week ago and we're finishing it up <laughs> now. The reason I mention that is there have been some developments. <laughs> so... Have you seen Rampage this week? Have you had a chance to watch it yet? No, because it would have been watching it first thing this morning. Um, okay. So I'm I'm aware of what happens, and I'm aware okay. of the news. The news, as far as I'm aware, is just rumor at the moment. There's nothing yeah. officially confirmed. Let me say this. I've seen the match. I, uh, let's just say it, okay? I'm just going to okay, come yeah. out and say it. So... There's a very strong rumor that Jade Cargill is leaving AEW for WWE. I'm going to spoil the Rampage match if that's okay, Ian. Go for it. Jade loses. Clean (laughs) as a whistle. Coming down to the ring, she looks, she genuinely looks like she's having, and I don't mean this in a bad way, like a moment. Like she's soaking in her last entrance in AEW. When she loses... She and Statlander have a hug. She, They both genuinely look like this is saying goodbye. I like Jade Cargill a lot. She's not that good of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it really looks like 
hell, maybe at the 11th hour and 59th minute, Tony Khan's going to go, here's an extra zero at that end of the contract, right? And she stays. But as of right now, it looks like she's out the door. Now, the reason I say that is because I had Jade. If we recorded this, finished this recording last Sunday morning, (laughs) I had Jade not beating Cargill tonight or yesterday on Rampage, but... I was going to say there'd be some wonky finish. Smart Mark gets in the way or something. You yeah. know what I mean? And then they finish up at Wrestle Dream or somewhere. Yeah. So that can't happen. So I needed to say all that. Also, if you haven't watched Rampage, you might not know that tonight, as of this recording, but after this goes out, the main event on Collision is Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander for the TBS title. Oh, okay. So what they're starting to finally really do is incorporate the full women's division by bringing in a former uh, women's champion into the TBS scene. So I think they're broadening things out. And I think that's another tell that Jade's leaving. That's by the by at this point in this conversation. So that really threw a spanner in the works for who I was going to choose to win this uh, next. So I don't know. I really don't know if if Britt is challenging for that belt and she's got a story going on with Hikaru Shida right now. Yeah. Where it's like it seems like they're they're all of a sudden frenemies or something. Yeah. Could she could Shida get involved and win it? Could 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 Ruby Soho and then that puts more gold on the outcast. I, I don't know. So I'm going to say Thunder Rosa. I don't know why, but I think I'm going to choose like a four-way or some sort of ladder match for her to win it, where it would be like Statlander, so she doesn't have to actually get pinned to lose. Like Shido could be in there, Britt could be in there, Thunder could be in there, but I genuinely don't know. So yeah, I'm just saying Thunder Rosa because I got nobody else at this point. Right. Um, who I want to win it though, Athena. Hey. Yeah, 100%. Initially, I even had her in the think, but she's so invested in ROH right now. Yeah. I think what they need to do is like what they just did with, uh, is it uh, Tiffany Stratton that Becky Lynch just beat on NXT this week? Yeah. Where it's like that was was her winning on the way up. You know, that's, she might still do some NXT work, but that is her saying goodbye and here I come to the main roster. Not that I think ROH isn't a main roster. It is, but as you said, it's a feeder system essentially right now. Um, but Athena's got some more work to do in ROH before she comes here. But once she, once she's properly all in on AEW, no pun intended there, the <laughs> women's division is so fucking fucked because <laughs> she has taken all the gold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since we bring it up, what do you feel about, I mean, based upon what you've said, and just working on the assumption that Cargill is leaving. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? I think it's the greatest move she could make right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. Um, and I would also toss Wardlow in there. I'm a big proponent of Jade and Wardlow, the, 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 like the, the big muscly people, um, like starting out in AEW, getting some reps under their belt, going to WWE for a while. Yeah. And then honestly beefing up no pun intended again on their um what do you call it on their mic skills and their more sports entertainment yeah. moments spending two three years in wwe increasing their star power that is yeah. and money drawing capability and then you know they've got the, got the 
Yeah. Now they've got the choice. Do they stick with WWE? Do they come back to AEW for that big nostalgia pop? They could bounce back and forth. I don't mean to compare them to this guy, but like Lex Luger was able to bounce back and forth between WCW, WWF, and then back to WCW, you know? Yeah. Um, I think they're both infinitely better than Lex Luger. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I'm better oh, than Lex Luger. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> but, In yeah, I... except physique. <laughs> so but yeah i genuinely think this is the best thing jade could do is get to wwe is you know they are just gonna she is just gonna be amazing over there i hope i'm saying that with fingers crossed but it sounds like you might agree i do because i don't think honestly she's got anything left that she can do in AEW at this stage it's like she's gone from being very green but having a look to being very green, but getting better all the time because she's been trained by Brian Danielson. Yeah. Um, and her natural storyline has come to its natural conclusion. Mm-hmm. And even though Chris Statlander kind of outlasts her in terms of tenure within AEW, it's like it's weird that the way that Jade's been built has given Statlander the rub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, despite the fact that she's that much more of a novice um, mm-hmm. compared to Statlander. And I've got to say, for, for all the criticisms you can level at the TBS division for not being storyline-driven, it has done some wonders with, with how it's been booked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's created a star in Jade. It's given Statlander the rub. Uh, it's created a second tier for, you know female challengers who were never going to get near the women's title and you know it's it's given some exposure and yeah you know, in in general i wouldn't call it the workhorse belt but you know arguably it's been on tv just as much as the women's title yeah. um if if not slightly more i mean not, not it's not churning out five star bangers obviously but um i, I think it, I'd, I'd just echo what you said. It's probably the best move that Cargill could go for if she wants to, you know, stay in the wrestling game. Yeah. And she's got options. She Absolutely. has got future yeah. star power anywhere she goes. I mean, she, she, yeah, she, she's just, she, she's a money-making machine. She really is, you know. So, yeah, I'd love to see her spend two, three years in WWE, and then, hell, she might go to Hollywood. You know, yeah, she's she's really got that kind of potential. I will say this: watch the 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 Jade Statlander match from this week. I will do. Yeah, it is absolutely worth it. Um, the crowd is super into it. You know, which is great because considering if you watch Dynamite this week, the the crowd wasn't always into everything this week. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they they did actually kind of explain away for Baker's entrance. Like mm-hmm. Baker getting pretty much no reaction and saying, mm-hmm. "Ah, well, she is from um, uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, here in Ohio, some sport has gone down, which yeah, means they don't yeah. like one another." Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose that explains things. But um, yeah, but then um, uh, that doesn't quite explain the lackluster entrance for Judas. We'll say, you know, <laughs> so yeah. Try all you try all you want, uh, commentary team. Yeah, I yeah. commend you, but uh, mm-hmm. oh, that was but anyways. Anyway, yeah. um, right. Uh, what next? Let's uh, let us let us do the tag division, and then we can finish up with uh, the three singles divisions. Yeah. Um. So the tag champs are FTR, 
who've had their titles not quite the longest, but, you know, um, they've held it for nearly six months now, um, having come back, re-signed their contracts after teasing, oh, will they, won't they? <laughs> and in hindsight, that's ludicrous. Vince is still involved know, right? at WWE. Yeah. Just, if you can remember the concept costumes of what they were going to have to wear towards the end of their tenure. <laughs> <laughs> FDR ain't going back. Um, and, and their friend Punk was in the company at the same time. Uh, well, I mean, he was in exile, but uh, anyway. Um, so FDR um, are the champs. Um, I managed to hold on to the titles at uh, All In uh, against what was my match of the night uh, there against the Bucks. Uh, so think and want. Um, it's your turn, isn't it? So uh, yep. think and want to take the titles. I my think I kind of want for both, but I'm not going to say it for my want. So, okay. but I, I I'm so close to changing it on the fly. The sex gods. Oh, okay. With everything that's going on with Sammy and Jericho, I think it would be amazing. So whatever happens at Collision this week when they're having their one-on-one match. I say Collision. I mean uh, Dynamite in this upcoming um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur Ashe show. Grand What's Slam. it called? Uh, Grand Slam. I, I think no matter what happens, you know, they're, they'll, they'll, I don't think they're going to quite work out whatever issues they're having. There's, they'll think they are, but there's still going to be some tension. And then they win the damn belts, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's real potential there. And I got to say it. I like FTR. I'm kind of bored of their run at this point. Mm. You know, I think that they need to change up the division. I think they need those belts on new people. And I think putting them on Jericho and Sammy Guevara is a really good choice. So, yeah, the sex gods very soon, I think. Okay. Uh, want? Edge and Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. <laughs> Break up the kazoo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> oh my god. Um I love that you had the kazoo that close, by the way. <laughs> Angle. <laughs> yes. Um I mean, I know the chances of that happening aren't impossible. That's why I was saying I kind of want, like, like, the sex gods are kind of in the want category, but I really do want it to be Edge and Christian. Christian with two belts, whether he officially owns one or not, would be the most insufferable dickhead on the planet. I want it so So, yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely stuff. We'll, we'll come to that with the TNT title. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, I, I agree with what you say. I think the FTR reign is getting a little bit stale, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it was the right call to keep it on FTR um, because I think you needed that match and that result to show that they they have parity with the Young Bucks. Um uh, to make them the one and the one A of the tag division. Uh, that being said, I think what with the handshake and then the teaming, I think whilst it's great that they're doing an open challenge uh, to have a more diverse opponents going forwards, I think the Bucks are going to take the titles off them. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. And I, th- I, I kind of like the idea that the only team that can beat FDR are the Bucks. 
as a mm-hmm. concept. Um, obviously, that's not the case because they obviously lost their uh, um, uh, their other titles that they collated at the end of last year. They even lost to the Guns. This was pre-Bullet Club Guns as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, not, not impossible. But I think... Because why else book that match at all out? You know, why have them team? Why have them be called together? Because ultimately, it does most business for them not being cool with one another. Yeah, uh, but it does seem like they're starting to move away from that. So I'm not mm. sure, but I can't think of who the next obvious champions are going to be. So I'm just going to stick the butts yeah. down. Okay. Um, who I want, I would want a new team on the scene uh, rather than, you know, crown some two-time champions or, you know, the Bucks again. I And I don't have any real motive behind this other than the fact that they've been given a video package to say we're coming to AEW having worked in ROH. And I would be interested to see the Righteous just like I don't know if I know who that is. So, I think it's a team that have been feuding with Dark Order um, on Ring of Honor, and it's Stu Grayson's lads. Oh, okay. So Stu Grayson's not with the. I mean, obviously he left and then got re-signed more recently. But rather than just go straight back in with the Dark Order, um, they decided rather than swell the Dark Order's ranks again, which arguably they need. Um, to keep the Dark Order a trio and to have Grayson like find uh, a new team to work with and it's a team that's kind of based off the John Goodman show The Righteous Gemstones John Goodman huh. and Danny McBride now I should stress I haven't seen the show, I can't really say I've seen much of the team either but it's a team like The Righteous that I think AW needs um, to keep the tank division you know, somewhat kind of fluid because a lot of established teams have kind of been quote unquote lost to the trios division, mm-hmm. uh, which includes the acclaimed at the moment. So um, I think, again, I, th- I think I'm using the right just more of a, a, a kind of placeholder for I just want a new team to step mm-hmm. up rather and rather than the sex gods who are kind of an established team but not really. Um, because I think if you give the sex gods a title reign, it's kind of going back to the old WWE booking of throwing it on two singles guys with nothing to do. Sure. Um, which, again, I think you can make a case for the sex gods, um, which you did, and you did very well. Um, and it's also tempered by the fact that you know how um, yeah, the second tag team champions were, I don't know, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page mm-hmm. uh, as part of a singles angle, albeit a very important singles angle. Um, I don't know what the sex gods winning the championships really achieves apart from giving title reigns to Jericho and Guevara. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I'm a bit on the fence about them potentially. But. Uh, okay. Yeah, The Righteous, a team I know nothing about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, singles titles. Um, do you want to start with the international of TNT? Let's do TNT and work our way up. Okay, then. TNT, 
held physically by Christian Cage. Uh, the act- I don't know what you mean, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, Christian. Um, it's t- technically Christian's right hand of destruction, Luchasaurus, who has had a longer reign than either of Scorpio Skies <laughs> or Powerhouse Hobbs um, or at least two of Wardlow's reigns. But um, there you go. But, you know, it's it's an act basically. Christian's yeah. self-styled TNT title holder, whereas Luchasaurus is the actual TNT title holder. It's a fucking phenomenal act. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like, I was very much worried after Christian lost to Wardlow at Double or Nothing. It's like, that's the end of it. And yeah. then, you know, I think it works even better because <laughs> Luchasaurus as the TNT champion without Christian wouldn't have worked. No. So this is the best way for Luchasaurus to get some recognition and to have him form part of a, a really fun act with a more experienced guy. And it's a way for, in the same way, it's a way for Christian to have a championship reign without actually being champion. <laughs> and therefore, kind of overshadowing younger guys, but also not, because it's Luchasaurus's reign and it's basically allowing him to bury <laughs> people uh, under hmm. the guise of uh, their paternal um, relationships. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's fucking lovely. Um, yeah. So I think and want, I think, ultimately, despite the fact that he's already had a shot, uh, I think Darby's going to be the one who ultimately regains the TNT title. Hmm. And I say that only because... Christian Luchasaurus is still in his orbit. Yeah. It's like they could have left well alone after all out, but they haven't um, because of the Nick Wayne uh, situation. So I think ultimately, I mean, there's a way in which Darby doesn't win just by pivoting into the whole Nick Wayne, AR Fox um, aspect because Swerve's kind of pivoted out of it, what with yeah. the, the whole AR Fox. Uh, whoopsie of not telling AEW you can travel, <laughs> idiot. Uh, um, so I reckon Darby's probably going to be the next guy, and you can honestly say that if he, if he does win, then it will be off, off, off the back of a very good prolonged feud um, that's had some good matches as, as part of it. Um, who I would want it to be, so... The, the actual champion is a physically imposing heel with a sneaky manager uh, kind of doing the dirty work. So you need a face who's got it within him to kind of overcome these odds. I'd very much like the next TNT champion to be Keith Lee. Wow, okay. Because for the longest time, he's either been in tags or multi-men because um, Keith Lee unfortunately is a guy who's really been fucked up by long Covid yeah, yeah, and it's not something that you want to joke about um, following the death of Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. and that's not to say Bray Wyatt's fault was uh, death was uh, anything like a, a false on his part but my understanding is it's just long Covid damaging his health to the extent that yeah. He had his fatal heart attack. So mm. I applaud the fact that they've been very careful with Keith Lee. Um, it's a shame that Keith has not had his 
vengeance match against Swerve Strickland after nearly a year since being turned on. But seemingly they're saving that, uh, if only because it's something that Keith mentioned in passing in a promo on Collision the other week. But um, that's what I'd like to see happen. Um, It might not, again, questions about whether he can work singles matches, but, I mean... He's there and he's announced his intention to run as a as a singles guy. So um, yeah, uh, don't you forget about Keith? <laughs> don't you dare! No. <laughs> TNT champ Mike. So I know I said this for the TBS title that I think the title might change on a ladder or a four way. Right. So I don't mean to repeat that, but I think the next champion, no matter. Uh, for think or want is going to be decided in a ladder match. I just basically I think that because um, I don't want to bother with alignments here. Like a face has to win it off a heel, okay, blah, yeah. blah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think the next TNT champion is going to be Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that little son of a bitch climbing a ladder, winning the belt, and acting like his reign has continued this whole time, and this is actually his first reign. Golden. I love that idea. <laughs> Just him sitting up there like, with the belt, Luchasaurus down below, like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> And then as tank champion with Edge as well, you know. Yep. Oh, twenty twenty three, well, the year of Christian. <laughs> so the reason I said well there is because you said like Edge and Christian having gold, uh tag gold and Christian having singles gold. My want calls back to who I think and want for the trios title. Remember, I said I want the trios and both think and want to go to the Bullet Club Gold. Yes. I want everybody of Bullet Club Gold to have gold. I want Jay White to be the next one. Ah, right. And this is why I said I don't care about alignments. Make it a ladder match or a four-way or something like that. Put the trios on them. Put the TNT on them and just strap up that group and just let them go. Yeah. It'll be so much fun. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so there we go. So that's your want is Jay White. That, yeah, Christian's my think. Jay White is my want. Lovely stuff. Okay, then. Uh, the international title. Uh, the belt's most recently won, uh, because All Out was so far after All In. Um, yeah. This is uh, held by John Moxley, the third holder, or second, if you think that... Uh, Pack was never international champion, semantically. Um, but he beat Orange Cassidy for the title, and uh, he is about to defend against Ray Phoenix because he, quote, in storyline, took Phoenix out of uh, competing at Wembley uh, in the stadium stampede. Mike, think and want. I think and want, same person. I think Mox is going to hold it for a while, so it gives them uh, time to shift alignments here, to use that phrase okay. again. Think and want Takeshita. Right, okay. Yeah, I, you know, I love what they did with Orange Cassidy, the, 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 the lazy guy, so to speak, being a workhorse champ. And then they put it on Mox, who is just a brawler, and, you know, he can... He's not just a brawler. I don't mean it that way. But in, in terms of style, he's yeah, completely yeah. different. But here's a guy who can do what he did at All In, right? He can do the type of match that he always does where he just gets beaten and beaten and beaten and he's bloodied and he wins because he's a badass. 
and he can go out there every single week hell multiple times a week and just keep defending the belt so it stays sort of a workhorse champion belt it's just the workhorse their style has changed yeah and i think takeshita could do very much the same thing i don't think he would defend it as much especially if don Callis is in his corner he's not gonna like <laughs> character wise Callis is gonna want isn't gonna want him to do that yeah but i think you'd still get these like mega amazing matches Mega amazing matches. What is that phrase? But you would you would still get amazing matches with it, you know. And I think, you know, Cassidy building that belt up, making it one and one A with the world title, at least in my opinion, then putting it on a former world champion, three time world champion. Whoever takes it off of him is going to get a huge rub, and that belt is going to keep its pristine. And that's why I think you put it on Takeshita. Yeah. You know, someone who hasn't held any other gold in uh, AEW, yeah. you know, and just let him run with it. And that'll be a case of the belt making the man, but he'll be worth it mm. because he's just such an amazing worker. You know, I mean, he can do he can do so many different styles. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from. Okay. I think we actually, um, the last time we did this, uh, Imok Takeshita for um, a title, I think after Packard won it, um <laughs> i i don't have my notes but i think you're right <laughs> yeah okay so um i'm kind of with you in both the idea of my think and want being the same and the belt making the man mm-hmm. uh but i've gone for a different person uh i've gone for ricky starks ah okay um now this i think would necessitate a, a relatively short reign for moxley um mm. which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing after Cassidy holding it for the almost a, a full year. Um, that being said, I agree that uh, Moxley standing uh, as a three-time world champion and the fact that he's very protected, he's a hard son of a bitch to beat, um, means that you'd kind of want him to hold it for at least a few months. Um, but I think the best way of carrying on Starks' kind of storyline about how he is going the distance against people like Danielson uh, with that strap match and, you know, the fact that he's picking fights with the BCC at the moment. Um, I'm just thinking, what's the kind of end goal with Starks? Because world champion, I don't think he's quite ready for it. Um, I'd, you know, so feuding with main eventers is definitely a step up. Um... Actually, I'm talking myself out of it. <laughs> just, just like, you know, someone else could better use it. I, I'm going to say Starks just because I haven't thought of anyone else. But I I think maybe a, a short-lived rain and he drops it back to Moxley or something. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like Starks does need a belt. So, and maybe that's where the whole real-world champion thing was going. Even though I, I think it would have been better if there was a unification between MJF and Punk but um, in lieu of that then um, yeah Starks is international champion and I you know what he's another one where I think he might be WWE bound sooner than later Um, but if you put some gold on him yeah, maybe he decides to stay with AEW for a little bit longer you know he he won the Dion Hart tournament yeah, but that was all predicated on continuing the punk story, mm. you know, and now with him being gone, 
you know, I, they're not really like having him own it up, so to speak. You know what yeah. I mean? Which he really could have done if Punk had stuck around and their feud had continued. So, no, I hear you. I definitely hear you. The company's behind him. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I just think they need to get a little more behind him because shit just keeps happening to this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, every time he's he's got the brass ring, like, his fingers are on it, it just gets... Shit happens and he gets pulled away from it, you know? And it's not entirely his fault. And uh, he did infamously get uh, caught backstage at the Royal Rumble as uh, yes. Cody's guest. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Right then, uh, we have one championship left. And for Holder, the person who's uh, held their title the longest uh, since full gear last year. Um, so we're coming up on a, a full year's uh, championship reign. Uh, it is one Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. And I've, there's no way we could have known this the last time we recorded. But um, circumstances have turned him face. Therefore, this whole list of people to beat MJF the title <laughs> has suddenly fallen away and right. has meant needing to get a bit more creative, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, think and want for uh, who usurps MJF? Well, I think it's going to be Samoa Joe at, at uh, oh, okay. Wembley. And uh, not Wembley, um, uh, Arthur Ashe. Yeah. yeah, I really do. And again, I'm grateful we had that bit, bit of a technical glitch this weekend, this former <laughs> yeah. past weekend. <laughs> Because I wouldn't have said that beforehand. I forget who I had in this slot, but I did change it um, this morning. But, like, everything that's going on with MJF and around MJF right now is everybody's fucking around. MJF's all like, kangaroo kicks and da-da-da-da-da-da-da and, you know, Steiner math promos. And he's not taking anything seriously. Yeah, You know, Roderick Strong... Oh my god. Like, <laughs> Adam, Adam. Like he's challenging Vicky fucking Guerrero there, right? Like he's messing about and you got Adam Cole who's just like not doing anything about about it and just he's just playing along with their games. So you've have these three guys who are in and around the world title scene not seemingly taking it seriously and they're getting themselves distracted. Yeah. From the belt. Meanwhile, Samoa Joe is over here going, Hi, <laughs> I'm a monster. Like the end of Dynamite this week, Ooh, with him yeah. coming out yeah. and choking out Cole and just frankly looking like, I mean, he looked like a monster from the woods that just came out and just <laughs> reminded you how seriously you have to take him. I genuinely think he beats. MJF this upcoming Wednesday. Yeah. I really, really do. So Samoa Joe, who I want it to be, I'm going to name two. Okay. I think they're past the point where this is going to happen. So if you would have asked me this question, I want to say six months ago. I'm trying to get the dates right here. Yeah, six months ago, I would have said Mark Briscoe. Now, the reason I would have said Mark Briscoe is I thought they were seeding something. I don't know if you remember this, and I don't mean to take this to a dark place, but shortly after Jay Briscoe passed away, yeah. that's when MJF cut his promo about being a bad, about speeding and driving and getting his ex girlfriend in trouble, oh, which he implied shit. was Liv Morgan. Was it? Yeah. Yes. 
it was like not too long after that that he cut a promo implying that he was a reckless driver. I'm not saying the the person who was involved in the crash with Jay Briscoe was a reckless driver. I don't know what happened there. I I don't know the details. So that's not what I'm saying. But yeah, so I like I thought I really deeply thought that they were seeding something for Mark eventually to come up and go. Are you taking the piss yeah. with me? And they could still go back to it, but, you know, because MJF plays the long games. He drops seeds, and then it's like two years later, it's like, oh, crap. You know, and he's legit calling on his real-life stuff with with, Punk well, with Joe. And Danielson and Joe and Regal. He, You know, he does that. Yeah. He's such a brilliant storyteller. So six months ago, I totally would have said Mark Briscoe. I, you know, like I said, I don't know what Mark's doing right to now. To actually win the title. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really did. It would have been a short, sentimental reign, I think. Mm. Nothing long, but that's what I was. That's what I thought they were going to do. It's kind of what I wanted to do. But anyway, uh, he's, he's, want... he's injured. Um, at the Is moment. he yeah. okay? That makes sense. Why I haven't been yeah. really hearing about him. My real want at the moment, I think, if MJF can pass Samoa Joe, I think he's good to go into 2024 as the champion, and then after he finishes his program with Hangman Page, you put it on Swerve Strickland. Right, yeah. I think Swerve's coming out of the Hangman Page uh, um, story on top. Yes. I think it makes more sense for Page to lose that yeah. because it completely validates everything Swerve's saying. Page can take some time off. Maybe he doesn't even take time off. And, you know, in character, he gets his head set. Maybe there's an, a realignment for him and he goes heel or goes a little shades of gray or something. But then you put that title on Swerve. Let Swerve sit on it for, I say sit on it, for four to six months. Now you can do a storyline where Paige steps up to him and goes, I want my belt back. Yeah. You know, and Swerve sort of accidentally by beating Paige reignited a fire in him and gets him wanting that belt again. So I think there's a lot of potential with Swerve getting it and him taking it off of MJ off. I think that's a hell of a match, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, Joe think, but if MJF can get past him, I want it to be Swerve. Everything you've just said from Swerve, I very nearly put down as my think. Because mm-hmm. uh, I do think that the very fact that Swerve dropped the line, I would have been the first AW Black champion. Yeah. I think there's no way he's, he's not dropping that if there aren't plans for him down the yeah. line. So I definitely think that he's getting the better of the Hangman feud for now. Um, I've, I've got. No, I'm not going to say there's a time. Right. I know that they've got a match set for Wrestle Dream. I was half thinking that there'd be a second match at Full Gear that Swerve definitely wins. You know, the Wrestle Dream one can go either way, but um, except it's in Seattle where Swerve is from. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That being said, um, I think, uh, and I say this with the caveat of not taking into consideration Joe's win at the um, I don't know maybe I just thought that whatever happened he was going to overcome Joe and this was just like a a kind of short term rub as a thank you for his professionalism at Wembley Um, I reckon the plan is still to have Cole as the next champion Mm. And they decided just to ride it out a little longer rather than have all in end with a turn. Because like, most people were anticipating that Cole would turn heel um, yeah. to, to finish out all in. Just because that's the kind of way that you might want to see the story play out. 
And I thought, whilst that makes sense, it's also the main event of the biggest show uh, in the country. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they probably not going to want to end it on a sour note they're not wwe um so uh, obviously that didn't happen um so i think they just um send it down the line now i think the fact that they're getting so much mileage out of roddy meant that i i would have thought that roddy's going to get a match against either cole or mjf or both um but I, i mean some of them don't need titles so i'm just thinking maybe it is a very elaborate plan on cole's part so they go with the original plan they just kind of write their way around you know the main event scene for the last couple of months um so but one way or another i I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being cole somehow Mm -hmm. because ultimately i think that friendship will come to an end at some point it's just it's surprising it hasn't finished already so Mm -hmm. We'll go with that. In terms of want, um, I'm kind of borrowing what you said for the TNT title. Uh, in terms of Bullet uh, Club Gold holding all the gold, mm. I stick Jay White there. Wow. Okay. Because he held the main title in New Japan, which mm-hmm. I mean, MJF can say to the country all he likes. It isn't an indie. It is one of mm. the biggest federations in the world. In Yes, I think when he held the belt, he wasn't like the top guy, but he was the top guy in Bullet Club. And they haven't quite fully scratched the surface of uh, Bullet Club Gold against the Elite. I mean, I know they they did have a match at All In, but that was more Omega and Takeshita. It, it was more like the Bullet Club Gold stepped up to Callis' request for mercenaries. So... I like the idea of Black Cup Gold holding all the gold. Um, so that's why I'd perhaps stick Jay White there. I will say, once you said it, that reminded me. My original think, before I subbed in Joe this morning, yeah. before this recording, was Cole. Lovely stuff. Let's see how AEW goes for the next 12 months. And um, hopefully there's no CM Punk news. <laughs> The second we hit recording, Tony Khan announces (laughs) CM Punk has been rehired. He's just automatically all the champions. Oh, no, he hurt his ankle. All the titles are vacated. (laughs) And on the way out, he kicked Tony Khan's dad in the dick. Here's Christian going, hey, Tony Khan, what's that about your dad? Our email address is the show at earth2.net. That's the show at earth the number two dot net. Our voicemail line is five one three earth two zero. That's five one three three two seven eight four two zero. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at Earth underscore two. That's Earth underscore the number two. Please visit the website, www.earth2.net. That's www.earth-the-number-two.net. While you're there, on the left-hand side of the page, you'll see a link that says Forums. Click it and join the forums, please. 
If you enjoy what we're doing and would like to support Earth2.net and Earth2.net The Show, there are several things you can do. First, make sure to tell your friends about Earth2.net and all of our podcasts. Second, go to iTunes to leave us positive feedback. Third, you can become a patron of the show by visiting patreon.com slash earth underscore two. That's patreon.com slash earth underscore the number two. And lastly, donations in any denomination can be made by heading over to paypal.me slash earth two. That's paypal.me slash earth the number two. There are no spaces, dashes, or underscores, just earth and the number two. Until next time, good night. You know what I got sitting right here? What's that, Mike? That's a muffin.